Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. All right, all right. Joel, I can't believe you came. I'm so excited. I have Joel Maxfield here in my personal little, I call it the dojo. It's pretty cool. Nice I mean, it's not as cool as what we used to get to hang out in when we were with Matt, <laughs> but, but it's pretty cool. Um, so everyone listening, uh, this podcast is with Joel Maxfield. Um, honestly, full disclosure, one of my mentors, uh, if, if any of you heard the keynote speech that I did at the Pope and Young Club convention this year. Uh, I talked about 10 mentors in my life and the importance of mentorship. And, and Joel, you were in there. I don't know if you got any feedback from that. But um, so Joel was the general manager at Matthews when I got hired. More importantly than that, you were actually the person that hired me as a shooter member. Right. I had yeah. my archery shop. I drove up. And well, it wasn't a real contract. I think I bought those. Those were handshake contracts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I remember saying like, is there any way I can, is there any way I can, um, maybe get like a free bow? And then he just said, cause I said this year I'm going for rookie of the rookie, rookie of the year. And I remember you're like, well, we normally like save our budgets for the people that are going to for surely get it like Foster Thigpen. <laughs> remember? I remember that. <laughs> but you beat them. Yeah, I did. I did. Are you recording on that? <laughs> and so uh, remember during that same meeting, I was actually driving a load of bulls from... Um, I remember with the maroon truck with a big horse trailer. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I had a whole bunch of bulls um, that we got from... Um, is it? It's Red Wing, right? Is Red Wing Red just Wing. south of the city? Yeah, yeah. yeah so North we got a bunch of got a bunch of bulls from up there. We were taking them down because our family had a ranch, so we did a bull bucking and everything on Saturday nights. But remember, we saw the very first block. We bought the first two blocks out of Chad's truck. Chad stole and uh, and uh, Larry Larry Polterbeck. Yeah, they literally pulled up and they and you know they pull up in front of Matthews and they're like. Hey, do you guys shoot archery? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, let us know what you think of this. I remember. Yeah. And and the, remember, they said, what would you give for it? I gave fifty bucks. Remember, we bought the first two. And then they came in, and actually, we sat down and talked shop and stuff, and kind of laid out a business plan with them and everything. And yeah, that's kind of funny. Before Field Logic even started. Yeah, I remember we were both standing in front of. We were standing like out on the curb when they pulled up, and they're like, what do you think of this archery target? We were like, this. Those first ones were legit i shot that thing forever um so uh yeah that's that's where it began and then um this is actually a good story just for those out for those of you out there that are trying to be an ambassador um so i got my position with matthews because even though i wasn't technically a contract shooter i wasn't a shop i actually couldn't sell matthews because i was in a i had to sell high countries um but I ended up just helping you guys at the ATA show because you needed help. It was an ATA show, and I remember <clears throat> you uh, you worked way harder than anybody we brought. I mean, they were 
<laughs> Everyone's going to be like, you, what uh, are you talking about? You were running around helping the helping set up the booth and doing all this stuff. And at, at the end of the day, we're like, who is this kid? What, what, does, he, what does he even do? And, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was great. And, I, I, you know, at that point, we seen what kind of a worker you were and what kind of a personality you were to be around. And, yeah, we that was wait uh, to bring you on board. Thir- third rep, right? Well, fourth. Ron Gann, Dan. And then Ron, Ed, Dan, Eddie, yep, me, Brad. Yep. Um, Brad. That's pretty. Yeah, that was. Good. It was fun times, <laughs> and and Joel was. Um, for those of you watching, um, FYI, this is going to be an audio podcast. I would also highly recommend you watch the video podcast because I've actually went and picked through a bunch of historical stuff that I have from Joel. I'm going to bring up random pictures and I want you to like, tell me some of this stuff. Um, for those of you listening, we're definitely going to dive into the end of the aero topic. And this is really important. And I've, I've mentioned Joel's name several times in a few of the previous podcasts of this. I'm on this truth about arrows series. And the reason I do that is because Joel had shot more animals than anyone I knew when I met him. And that certainly hasn't changed. You've, what number were you for Grand Slam? Uh, 39. Number 39. Um, Joel. 79 on the Grand Slam, 39 on the Super Slam. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Joel literally was uh, Matt McPherson's first employee. You had your own uh, shop for a long time. And you, I mean, you literally grew up during the forefather era. I mean, you're not that old, but you grew up when Fred Bear and, and Miles Keller and like Snow, like all these names, right? Just the elite, like the, the original people in our hall of fame, those were the people you looked up to when you came into archery, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was a neat era during the eighties. You know, we had... I owned my pro shop. I started in uh, 1984, and I owned a pro shop till 1989. Then went to work for McPherson, then started Matthews. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so you worked for Matt at at McPherson, and then when Matt went out and did uh, Great Grips, right? He sold McPherson, and when it sold, Janice and I actually moved it to Alabama, and we lived down in Alabama for a little bit. And then uh, got it up and going and started down there. And then we moved home and Matt came by the house and wanted to start Matthews. So well, didn't he have great grips for a little bit for the, for the non-compete he, era? He, he sold, a... yeah, he sold uh, McPherson. And when he, after he sold it, he started great grips and uh, we bought grips for like nine bow manufacturers. Yeah. And then, um, um, yeah, during that period of time, um, it was owned by a guy by the name of Tom uh, Deerman in Austin. Oh yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Janice worked for Janice worked for it at that time, and then it sold again. Tom sold it yep. to McMillan's down in Alabama, and it, then Janice and I moved it down there, and then we came home, and Matt started Matthews. And that's awesome. Oh, I I had um, I I took it inside. I was afraid of something happening to it. I had a standard out here, Joel. Oh yeah, <laughs> number yeah. two hundred five. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I built that. I was going to say, that that was definitely (laughs) built by, you know, you or Matt probably at that time. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I've talked a lot about my, I love, I love that I started at 18 years old at Matthews when we were, we were small 
everybody was hustling, but it was, what was so important for me and something that I, it's like, I can't even put a value on now was at that time, like Matt was still there. And so we got to see Matt design, you know, and a lot of these people that were, that became the greats, they eventually, they somewhat kind of became secluded in design, right? We were there during these times where, you know, Matt would go through 150 versions of one cam, you know what I mean? Easily for a draw length, right? Like for sure. Yep. Cause we were the doing... LX was one of those, the LX, <laughs> oh, there I was like, that. we had a, we had a wall of prototypes, all the nails in the wall. And we just kept hanging all the prototypes on. and prototypes didn't come easy back then. Yeah. I mean, prototypes were hard earned and it wasn't a deal where you just punch it out and <laughs> yeah. go look at it. It was, you know, it took a day or two. To yeah. Try. And, uh, yeah, that, there was a whole entire wall of prototype cams on the LX. But even like the things that, I think people watching that don't understand when, like when you're part of a concept of a company that ends up becoming, you know, an industry mogul, an icon of the industry, just even some of the simple stuff, like this, some of the testing that Matt would just do on string material, like before any of this stuff was arguing, I'm just like, Matt would have weights hanging on string materials for years as, you know what I mean? And, testing the stretching so, and all that different stuff it's hard to even remember it all but it was like such a privilege to be in the in the workshop of someone that's you know a historical figure you know, for the industry right matt was such an incredible worker i mean he he when we had great grips we would cut the grips and then there would be three or four of us sitting around on five gallon buckets like hand doing the grips <laughs> like like hand sanding with a palm sander kind of deal and Me getting and all the grips do done. That. And, <laughs> and my, my pile of grips would be this tall. His pile of grips would be this tall. And his were all perfect. And half mine had to be redone. Yeah. You know? I mean, the guy is just an incredible worker. And he, you know, he's still eyeball deep in design. I mean, he does a lot of the design work. We've got a great team of engineers, but they all, you know, they all work hand in hand with Matt. That's cool. I'm glad that he has that. He didn't when we were there. Like no, Gary Simons came in as, own. as like the insurance policy, right? Like yeah. Gary came in and it was all map, but it was such an important time. Cause honestly, yesterday I had some people here from whitetail cribs and they were telling me about the guy that like, they were telling me they just went to the guy that like owns like the moon guide. And I'm like, well, Murray's passed, hasn't he? And they're like, what? And I'm like, Jeff Murray. Yeah, Jeff Murray. And they're like, well, no, he got it from Jeff Murray. And I'm just like, well, I remember Jeff like yeah. getting lessons. Remember yep. like coming back in the lanes? Yeah. He would, he would literally, this was, this was one of the first things that kind of weirded me out about the industry when writers, some writers, not listen, there's definitely people like a Bill Winky that this does not like, although Bill did come. Um, but some writers would sell a story idea to a magazine and then they would come and say, okay, so how do we write about this topic? Remember? Right. They would sell the the cool attention grabber of the article, but they actually didn't, didn't know. know the content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, that, and honestly, that kind of like comes back to almost where we're at now where it's almost too easy for like people can be an editor or an author right now just by making a post. They don't even have to go through the politics of like getting to know Christian Berg and him 
like right. searching, a, yeah. you know, searching out your past and making sure you're a credible writer. Like now that stuff's gone. It's just people can be like, I started shooting bows two years ago. Boom. Right. Here's like my thing, you know. It's kind of funny because I don't claim to know everything at all, but occasionally something will come on the internet. I'll be like scrolling through. I had never made a post before in my life. Never, ever had I done anything social media. And it's like 2019 and I'm just scrolling through there. I got a new phone and Andy put Facebook on my phone. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I'm looking, looking at this stuff and there's archery on here. Oh, that's cool. I'm reading this piece and in this piece, this guy says, uh, that he's shooting 600 grain and 400 grain arrows. And at 40 yards, the 600 grain arrows were impacting like this much higher than the 400 grain arrows because of the downrange speed retention of the weight of the arrows. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how does that, how does that even work? Yeah. Your pin gapping would be going like, like this big and then this big and then this is opposite. You know? Yeah. And so, so I've I, seen some people like actually posted like, here's oh, my pin gap since I went extreme heavy. And I'm just like, wait a minute. This you're is not sighted in buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I seen this post, I read it and I'm like, it was alarming to me. I'm thinking, man, people are really instructing people to do things incorrectly. So then I read the comments. There's like 40 comments underneath this thing. Not one person straightened them out. Not one person said, no, it doesn't work like Mathematically, that. Mathematically, it can't. <laughs> Every one of them said, I've seen the same thing. I've noticed the same thing. Heavier arrows definitely are flatter downrange and all this stuff. It's like, okay, projectiles don't work that way. Projectiles <laughs> have trajectory. Have you never thrown a rock? Right? Yeah. So, you know, so I'm like, okay. So I couldn't take it. I, I read this whole thing and, and, I'm like, and I made a comment on there. I'm like, actually, I was the first meanie to like straighten the guy out. <laughs> and I said, you know, basically how it works. And I got just hammered. A bunch of people said, no, no, that's not correct. So I'm like, oh, okay, gloves are off. <clears throat> so I went out and that's where this okay, photo Okay, this is first in. photo. So for those <laughs> of you uh, listening and not watching, I might put these photos somewhere. Maybe I can number them um, if I can go back through. Uh, but this photo is literally like a straight line that's three and a half feet. Wait, is that? It's one, two. Well, it's three feet. That's three the feet. other end of a sight tape, buddy. Oh, <laughs> okay. So what you what I did is is I'm like, okay, those are 400. Those are 450. Those are 500. That's 550. Those are 600, and those are 650 greens. And I just shot them, and I. I can't remember. I think all, that's I think all the like, all the same arrows. They're just weighted in the yeah, front differently to and, and to I get the weight. Yeah, and I tuned them all. And these tests, I mean, this isn't this isn't necessarily Matthew's lab. This is my basement. I yeah. just went and grabbed a bunch of arrows, but I have a paper tuner and I set everything up exactly correctly. Yeah. And I just shot them, and that's that uh, is just showing you trajectory and drop on how arrows work, you know, kind of thing. And I did this piece and. Honestly, it was alarming. There was a bunch of people that are like, "Dude, that's not how it works. That's not what you're seeing. That's you know, you're you're not seeing correctly what's happening with the arrows." And I'm like, "It 100% is." Yeah. And all of us, all the people that shoot, the pro shooters, the pro shops, the the killers out there, you know, all all of us kind of understand all this stuff. It's amazing the number of people that don't. Yeah. And when you make a post as simple as that and as basic as that, as that, and there's an alarming number of comments on there that 
that disagree with it, it's like, it doesn't, Yeah, that's how it works. It's not an opinion. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. See, see, that's, that's what ended up triggering me. Um, because I, I just had enough people come to me at the tack where I'd be like, so, you know, so why are you doing that? And then when they go to tell me the whys, it's information where I'm like, well, that's not accurate information. Like right. that's just not physics. You know, that's just not how it's going to work. So, you know, I actually said something to you and then you're like, have you seen the stuff I've been doing? And I'm like, no. So then you just sent the floodgates <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, and, and honestly I had to all but beg you to come here. Joel, this is Joel's first podcast. Um, I can't say enough about, you know, if you want to, if you want a tried and true bow hunter to the core person that absolutely you know, has full faith in the lifeblood of the industry when it comes to properly teaching, properly mentoring, you know, the importance of pro shops, like all these things are fundamentals to where any of, any of us that ever worked with you were like, okay, you can dig your heels in with Joel on a lot of subjects and like, he's going to give you a fight. But when it comes to archery, like there's never been a day you haven't done it that that I know of. <laughs> it's pretty much every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 to start like all the way back as a hunter, who did your dad take you guys hunting first? Who took you and Gus hunting first? You know, my dad was actually a bow hunter and he he uh you know, I remember it was a big deal it made the front page of the paper in Austin, Minnesota when him and his buddy um they shot a buck in a doe with a bow like the same day. And it was small town news front page <laughs> of the paper with recurve bows. He had an old Ben Pearson recurve and all that. So yeah, you know, been bow hunting since I was just, just a little kid. And my brother was always, you know, he's always my hero and, mm -hmm. and him and his buddies bow hunted and drug me along. And I eventually started. When did the shop, when did you open the shop? Opened the shop in 84. So tell me about like, so starting in 84, because this predates, um, my, I guess would be experience. Um, like what was archery like when there were only slow bows and only heavy arrows? See, I remember when I really started to like make the change to like actually become like an archer, not just like a hunter on the weekend. I remember when the very first Beeman's came out, like, you know, Beeman sure. had came over. Easton hadn't bought Beeman yet. They were in France at the time. And ICS's. And right. The Beeman, IC, well, it was pre, it was like Diva C's and Diva S's. I think it was pre-ICS's, was it? Or was an ICS Wasn't first? there a company in like Chatfield, Minnesota that wasn't Beeman? It was another company that was kind of at the same era. Probably. Same kind of thing. Yeah, probably. But like, how much did, like, what happened in archery when, the slow and heavy, like when all of a sudden speed started to come in, like what, like well, what was that like? The slow and heavy, that wasn't by design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we had. Yeah. Uh, you literally only had that. I mean, yeah. aluminum arrows, Magnus, there's the wikis or snuffer broadheads. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, as the lighter stuff advanced, you know, the carbon arrow started to come on the scene and everything. It was a much rosier picture, and and honestly, the the uh, uh, 
slower, older equipment, I always shot like a hundred pounds. I shot like yeah. 90, 80, <laughs> 90, hundred pounds in order to get speed in yeah. order to get those 22, 19s or 23, 17s downrange a little quicker. And remember the overdraws we did yeah. Oh, yeah. to lighten up the speed. We had shorter arrows yeah. and all that kind of thing. So, you know, I guess I had a lot of experience with 600 and 650 grain arrows and a hundred pound bows and all that kind of stuff. And I can tell you, it wasn't it wasn't all perfect. Fact, <laughs> it's never been better than it is today. The equipment we got today and the, and the stuff that we have as far as accuracy and lethality is just far insane, far superior. right? It's insane. far superior. Yeah, light years ahead. One of the things that one of the things that I, I remember like it was yesterday is we could never get the foot pounds of kinetic energy as the the pounds of draw weight of the bow. That wasn't even a thing. And I remember conversations with engineers and stuff when we were designing and talking that we we really never thought that that would ever happen. We never thought that if you shot 70 pounds that you could get 70 foot-pounds of kinetic energy. It just wasn't a thing. Right. And then um, eventually, you know, like it was probably about the McPherson Eliminator era. I might be off on that, but I'm guessing. And then like the hatchet cams from, yeah, from high, high country yeah. hatchet cams. When the machine kinda, supremes came out. Yeah, that kind of mm-hmm. put it over the brink. And the Excalibur. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. and then we started to see the foot pounds of kinetic energy out of a bow that was higher the draw weight yeah. of the bow. Yeah. yeah. And so um the other thing too is that, that I, I feel is so important and why I was like begging Joel just to, to come here because we don't I don't want to debate. I feel like I've brought you guys some amazing guests. I shouldn't say I don't want to debate. I actually want to hear both sides, but I I want, you know, I want the truth to come out and I want people to be able to hear the personalities behind all the different sides too, to where you can make an educated guess of who actually has the experience in the field. My experience has come from you and Matt and honestly Darren Cooper and Zach Kurtzall and George Tekmachov and James Park and honestly Gary Simons I mean um, you know Tom Jennings came by you know we I mean we had some it was an amazing era because we had so many of the greats come in because the single cam was so new we had to show even people that were doubters like what it really was so like when we would have those summits and stuff i i mean i was able to absorb stuff then that i didn't even know was important but now that the industry is like it's almost like we have these freaking better than a ferrari but we don't like for those who don't remember like what it used to be like. That's why if I, if you get like a Bill Pellegrino or, you know, I had Wayne Endicott on, he's just like, dude. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah, he's like, we're in the best freaking easiest, you know, flattest, fastest shooting. No one's going to like come back saying they have a problem during this er- during this era. And bows used to, they used to break all the time. Honestly, when I was a dealer. <laughs> Especially the 100. It was crazy. There was a company called AMF Voigt. Uh, wing yeah and, yeah uh, the the one wing was called a wing impact one and it had a one-year warranty and i had six bows under that one-year warranty <laughs> <laughs> there was one it was wood 
And uh, there's one I'm at full draw, and I feel my hand going like this. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So I let down, and my finger, my whole palm of my hand, like, pinched held, in the held, wood. Held the wood together. <laughs> in, oh, in no. In the lamination. I had to pull it back again to get my hand out of the boat. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff was die cast. Yeah. So there was air pockets in the die casting. Full explosion. Yeah, full explosion. I mean, things would just disintegrate. When a bow breaks now, hardly ever is it catastrophic. You yeah. might get a limb break or whatever, derail, a derail, string pops. But they don't a, even go forward and light up your arm like they used to. No. When when they used to break. It was, oh yeah, it was, it yeah. was real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had we had uh, we definitely and we did some. Well, Matt tried to blow stuff up all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we do that. <laughs> uh, you know, put it on the hooter shooter and tie a string to the trigger and go around the corner of the door. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah. Because we had to do that on those hundred pounders too, and the oh, safari yeah. when we were making the safaris. Remember those? Yeah, I love that bow. That was that was actually like a that was a Q2 era. It was like a Q2 XL beefed up 20 percent we we took a q2xl and beefed everything up like 20 percent is that what it was the yeah. original safari i think I, so i thought it was more like a apex platform no nope. i remember it was, it. i'm pretty sure it was like a q2xl then we we had a like we beefed up the cams and the the idler wheel yeah. and the string and the riser to we, take a dry fire we just beefed everything way up uh, and being out in the yard at the targets and stuff i remember <laughs> you you had some uh, 271 hyperspeed. Remember those oh, things? I still have them. I was wondering what I built those for. I... Dude, we got, we went out there with that. It was 105 pounds. It, it, we had those 271s. <laughs> it was like a Scud missile. It didn't even have trajectory. It, just, <laughs> it was like, it was super fast. And then I hunted with that thing uh, the whole year, and it was with the 371 ACCs. Yeah. And because they were spying like perfect for it. I mean, they shot like yeah. a million bucks. And uh, I remember I shot a, I shot an alligator, and I'm thinking I've got this monster bow with this 371 ACC. I thought I had this, I thought this thing would penetrate, you know, anything, right? And this alligator's got a bow fishing arrow first, and I pull him up alongside of the boat. I'm just going to finish him off by shooting him in the top of the squash. Yeah. So he's like two feet away, and I pull this bow back, and I smacked him, and the arrow absolutely disintegrated and I still have the skull, the European mount. And there's like this little dimple like this deep in the skull. <laughs> that's all that that's all that happened. I mean it was like Well know, that so. I mean that's an argument for too light of an arrow, I guess, based <laughs> on what you're shooting, but Well honestly I think a fish arrow would have done the same oh. thing. It would have been like, cause it's like it's like a, they crazy, have a hard dome. crazy thing. Yeah. But so I guess at the end of the day that that story leads into the idea that it's still archery gear. I mean, it's still, if, if we were shooting 400 foot a second with a 600 grain arrow, it's still archery gear. I mean, you can't, it shouldn't, you know, that leads into another conversation that we might get into later, but I guess we should probably go back to the arrows and just, you know, talk about that. Well, one, one of the questions I had though was um, on that is I bet you, a 75 pound bow right now is probably as efficient as that hundred pound safari was then how close do you think it was because we well, i feel like we were getting like 105 foot pounds out of that it was like right isn't that about where we were like even with that because we had so, to build it with arrows for people that were going for the big five so it was a. Uh, um it's going to be more than than the draw weight so but it was probably 
it was probably in the 110 foot pound uh, yeah range. max and, yeah, and max. actually uh, yeah there was a guy that was doing the big, big five that we had that bow uh, yeah line mm -hmm. and he, he got them all with that but uh i think it was 110 foot pounds on on that particular bow with and i think he ended up with like i think it was like an 850 green arrow out of that bow is what he was shooting and, um, for dangerous games. Yeah, for the elephant. Yeah, and, for and the and elephant. Rhino and hippo. And listen, there's things like that that absolutely you you have to, like, you need to take the right firepower for the job. It's, yeah, for sure. But it's, it. <clears throat> I just did a little post on this. And I, so I, I read, like I said, I read things and then I have to, I, I'll be sitting there and I'll read it and I'll be like, well, wait a minute i know it doesn't work like that but how does it work exactly yeah so i'll jump in the shop and kind of go play with stuff and sometimes i'll play with stuff for two or three days to get the answer and, and a lot of times i don't even document my answers i just i walk away and go oh okay that's how it works and i yeah. mean i don't even i don't even record it or document it i just need to know for myself yeah but the uh, yeah so it's you know it's that's how it is with the, with the newer bows. It's just we've got. They're a just lot that more. good. We've got a lot more. They're if you want, if you want, it's it's really about the bow and not the the arrow. So if you you don't want to take a uh, you don't want to take a sixty pound bow, I'm not ever going to recommend that for elephant. I don't care if you shoot a two thousand grain arrow. That yeah. is not the appropriate bow because you can't put the energy even into that arrow to get high enough to be able to to do that it's really if, i mean if you're going to shoot an elephant which is i would love to someday but i'm going to shoot 110 pounds or 100 pound bow yeah and a, you know an appropriate arrow to do so to match the weight right okay so i'm pulling up a new slide here so this <laughs> is a slide honestly i think this is very relative to the very first post i made well no I, it it's pretty relative i think to the second video post i made where i went out and shot live and I just literally showed the pin gap, the true pin gaps to shoot the different weight arrows. But I, but this is better so, because so this shows when you're those when are your the dots of off. the of the first group. And okay. yeah, what I did is is this is a this is a 652 grain arrow shooting 249 foot a second, and that's that's the drop. Here's my group I marked with the orange dots. So if you're so if you're 100 percent. Uh, you're, you're six. zeroed there. Yep. And that's, it, that's five yard discrepancy. Okay. And then I'm zeroed. Well, and actually that group is a little low, but, but you get the idea that the, the difference yeah. between the two is not. So what was it, the measurement? I mean, it looks like I, you know, it's I, a lot. So what, even so this picture that we're talking about, um, he's actually got silhouettes of deer. There's a bow, a 652 grain arrow going 249. It's the same bow. Um, and what he did was, you know, he was bang on at 60 yards, which is honestly pretty common for out west. Um, and then literally, you know, stepped five yards off just to be five yards off. And literally the drop on that setup is lower than what would be a deer's knee. And then on the other one with the 395 grain arrow going 314, which is pretty light and pretty fast. Obviously, that's a that's a pretty extreme. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's 20 percent of the other drop maybe. So here's what <clears throat> this is where you know people I hear this all the time that trajectory and drop is not accuracy. Well, 
I disagree with that, and that's and here's why: is I shoot. I, I think of everything as a kill depth window. And you, I and remember. I, I know we've, I we've do, talked. Yeah. Of, I know yeah. you do. We've talked yeah. about this a lot. So my kill depth window. Say that that at 50 yards, my kill depth window is. I don't know. This is just an analogy, but it, it might be 56 yards and 45 Seven yards. And a half, yeah. You know, I, I get in that range. I'm in the 10 ring, or I'm going to kill the animal. And I think that way a lot. I know all the data from my own bow. Right. You know, on on how that works, and um, when you slow things down, you've changed your kill depth window, and that does matter as far as big time accuracy on whether it's going to work or not. And so, I mean, now you've created that kill depth window that used to be four uh, yards either direction. Now you've changed it to like you know one yard. Yeah. And so you've lost that advantage of the flatter shooting trajectory that's going to impact within the acceptable range. You know? Yep. Well, and I think anyone who honestly has hunted enough and, and that's the, that's the bummer part. The bummer part is we are activating new people into archery, but they're also coming in with no background and, and honestly, like really no knowledge of like that arrows do drop in different, you know, kind of, they're going to drop in a mathematical number regardless. For sure. Yeah. But what happens is people don't realize that like in a hunting situation, there is so much going on. And that's what separates like hunters from killers is the ability to like range, set a sight, be able to draw back knowing that, the, that you have a moment of time where the animal isn't going to peg you. Yeah. And let's say they do peg you in that moment. And they take one bound, you know, boing, they jump around, they whirl around and they're giving you a look. Yeah. Well, like that would be scary to me to have to, right. to, you know, if something took one or two bounds and the speed was that at which the, the drop is, I mean, let's just say double, which in this it's case, it's double, yeah. this case it's more, but let's just say it's double because I did build an arrow like mine, but I also built like a 610 arrow and I built a seven. Yeah, I think I a saw six. the video. So the 610 is still, like if someone told me they wanted a 600 green arrow, that's cool. You could still learn that. But the learning curve even there is, would for me at, to be a successful hunter that I would like bet on myself, I would need a lot of time to learn on that. And I'm sure I've had hunting situations where that would have got me in trouble. Right. And I just wouldn't have filled a tag. I would have, I would have injured something. Right. You know, and that, and that's the thing. It's like, even on the broadhead topic, which is a totally different topic, you know, animals do react and there is a what if, um, but man, I don't want to, I don't want more what if time. I want less. So it not only does that allow you the kill depth window, but it also, um, so you could take the percentage, you're 314 foot a second versus 249 foot a second and calculate the amount of time that it's in the air. And there's a there's a lot can happen in the amount of time that it's in the air. 65 and feet a second. Not right? only Difference. not only in the animal reaction time, but 
you know, there's uh, other variables that come into play, like like wind, and you know, just there's a lot of different things that can happen. And then also your um, the above and below your trajectory line. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're not watching overhanging trees, cast. Or, yeah, the yeah. cast of the arrow is gonna gonna run into crap here that it doesn't here. You know. For sure. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that I said. And people constantly say, "Listen, I hunt." in the deep south like some people assume i don't hunt the deep south we've both hunted the deep south together several times um and actually i got a message today like you don't know what it's like in alabama like for sure we do (laughs) do. like those palmettas is horrible but like a lot of times even though the shots are close the the distance from the tree I mean, you're actually so much further. Like down there, I swear we hunted higher down there than any place we ever hunted. I mean, that time is still reaction time. And the higher up you have to hunt, the smaller that target that is broadside at a level shot, the higher you get, your your kill zone is shrinking as it is. And I mean, the kill zone really is only like half of what it would be broadside once you're at that kind of elevation right that speed is almost that much more of a friend and the reality is with any of this archery gear now like a whitetail shouldn't even be in our equation with a lot of this stuff do you agree as far as complicated as as far as like penetration worries oh no so the the whole penetration thing is crazy so um my wife has been my favorite hunting partner for 40 years she's bow hunted for 40 years avidly and uh for everything as you know yeah and uh she doesn't that's her speed i mean that's all she gets 249 with a with a 354 grain arrow okay <laughs> 354 359 depends on what but so uh you know she deals with with that kind of trajectory and that kind of stuff all the time and she can shoot so i mean she can shoot a group like that at 60 yards pretty pretty easy every day well what happens is when somebody says oh no she's got to shoot you know there's no way she should shoot a 359 grain arrow that's just way too light she's got to shoot a 480 grain arrow like i do well then that turns in you know it compounds down here somewhere. Yeah, it'd be more like the last screen. <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah. It, it's like way down here. And yeah, and, Janice would double that number. Right. To it, where now she needs to aim at a deer standing on a deer's back. And honestly, <laughs> so so we were talking about this earlier. We get a deal where uh, we didn't think about that back in the day. I, it was all about accuracy. If you yeah. could hit it, if you could shoot a group like that, you're good to go. Yeah. And so like, like. It was more about accuracy and not about, there wasn't this huge concern about, you know, are you going to get penetration? Is it going to go? I, I don't even, I honestly don't even understand that because she, like I said, has bow hunted for 40 years. So she was shooting those old, slow compounds that didn't get as much um, kinetic energy as they did for draw weight. And yeah, especially only, then you go that short, the efficiency and, and her, would fall off her, the road map. Her draw length and all that. So, I mean, she struggles to get 50 foot pounds of kinetic energy. And, uh, dude, 
of the ribs and the center of the soft mushy part the good stuff of a deer has never even been a thing she sticks the arrows in the dirt yeah it goes through like butter when you hit them in the leg that's a bit of an issue but i've walked up on deer and where their legs just disintegrated and it's all yeah. mushy and floppy and there's femur sticking out the height and all that stuff i've walked up to her deer like that yeah many times where, yeah. where there's i mean she smoked the shoulder yeah and busted the Cracks leg it. no problem went right into the heart but it doesn't happen all the time and that's the problem is is like um it doesn't happen all the time, even with 80 pounds and a 600 green arrow. Been there, done that, and the arrow goes in this far. So that happens to somebody, and instantly they want to solve the problem. They want to think, oh, how can I never have that happen again? So yeah. they start creating all this heavy arrow, and they look at, you know, what's going to penetrate better. The The problem is, is the amount of the relevance to what they're doing to try to solve that problem or the relevance to the additional energy and all that is so minuscule. The and I feel like that's where the new problems have been created based on a problem that was like, listen, a major arm or a humerus knuckle in an archery equipment, that's not where you want to be shooting. No. Yeah, you know, no, you that's, just, don't. that's just all so, it is. So like a lot of times the deer drop to load their back end mm -hmm. and so that they can take off like like they they push or they drop with their front end to put the weight on their back end so they can start to move when they do that as you know everybody that hunts you've seen the drop and yeah. the video drop and all that stuff well a lot of times that arrow hits them like right there and you got your scapula actually covers the spine for a little bit there. So you've got a double layer. You got hide scapula loin. It's actually part that's, of the loin. That's pliable too. The and, scapula is like a moving pillow. Exactly. And then you've got the spine and you've got this you've got this energy absorber right yeah. there. And if your arrow goes through right there, what do you got? Unless you break a spine into yeah i mean it's not vital anyway yeah when those when the deer does backstrap yeah. and you hit and your only arrow only goes in that far or whatever and the deer runs away with the whole arrow flopping out and this is what <clears throat> i don't even like to admit these kind of stories but but that stuff happened when i was shooting 80 pounds and 23 17s with magnus I mean, yeah you, you just don't it doesn't always work there you yeah. know sometimes it does but sometimes it does with my 45-pound recurve. Yeah. I mean, it's so unpredictable on what could potentially happen there. And to build something that is 100% going to work, <clears throat> here's a quick story on, on how the uh, absorbing the energy works. Yeah. Um, <coughs> when I, I went to do the brown bear thing, I thought, man, I, I'm going to build arrows for this. I'm going to really ramp up. And, and I don't know why, because I, I really didn't for anything else. Yeah. I just sh I shot mechanicals and 450-grain arrows and shot everything, and it worked great. But flip that thing so around. I think it's I think it's flopping on your mic. People might be getting, yeah, bringing over there that side. So anyways, I, uh, I uh, uh, built these arrows up, and they were, they were like 500 grains with, uh, I had an iron wheel on there. 
and uh, 500 green arrow and I put 75 pound mods on and I think I shoot like 77 pounds and it's all beefy you know, and all oh. so I'm, I got all kinds of kinetic energy and I thought I'm really going to you know smoke this thing and right before bears is turkeys right <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I run out to Kansas <laughs> and I like the day before I'm in Kansas trying to shoot turkeys and I call this gobbler in and he's like 20 yards broadside and I put the pin right on the wing but you know and whack and my arrow goes in like this far and the turkey goes rolling across the ground and the whole shaft is sticking out and i'm like wait what i'm i'm gonna go yeah. shoot a big old bear and i can't kill a turkey and there's another one goblin so i'm like okay so i you know lay lay a call out there and that one comes running in and he's like 20 yards facing at me i pulled back and i shot him in the top of the beard right here and goes whack goes in that far and there's this much arrow sticking out and there's two turkeys laying on my decoys and i didn't get two feet of penetration total yeah. on two turkeys but what happens is the same thing as a scapula loin back you know yeah backbone turkeys are um, shock absorbers it's a for shock sure. absorber you hit that thing and it's taking the energy it's like hanging a they come off like, their feet too yeah it's like hanging a blanket over a clothesline you can shoot it. Yeah, you have a hard time yeah. shooting through it because it absorbs all the energy and that kind of thing. So there's different reasons that we used to shoot shoes. We just hang like old <laughs> shoes off like a tree to like sight in a camp. Yeah, yeah, you could hit them and yeah. you'd go in a converse like that far. You yeah. know, as long as it and that's like honestly like the domino targets. The reason they work is because of the that they flap move. on the yeah. back. You yep. know, because it it you know it puffs up. So, um, kind of, I'll bore you with stories, but here's another one. That's when I owned my pro shop, my buddy owned a butcher shop. And so, <laughs> so, so we would load the back of the pickup with a tarp and, and bones. We'd mm -hmm. have pelvises, shoulder blades, legs. We had hog bones, cow bones, buffalo. He butchered a lot of yeah. buffalo. So we had buffalo bones. We had all this, these crazy parts that we'd yeah. bring into the shop. And it taught me just enough to know this, that it is so inconsistent that there's nothing, there's nothing you can, there's no data that you can gather from shooting animals that means anything. Because I could shoot, it, there is inconsistent as snowflakes. The the variables are yeah, they're infinity, endless. you know. Yeah. And so you get a leg bone, and I would shoot it with like a 40-pound bow, and it would disintegrate the leg bone and go right into the target. And then the next one I could shoot with my 80-pound bow, and it would literally, like, go in that far and stick. If the if the bone didn't break, the arrow wouldn't go through. You're not going to penetrate a bone. You have to bust the bone, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. So the the mediums that you test in. I'm surfing for a certain picture. <laughs> oh, that so, one. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, uh, the mediums that you actually test in, uh, Everybody says, oh, yeah, but that's not an animal. Well, listen, I shot a few animals. And, yeah. and I, you know, I, th I think I've got a pretty good, good test sample of critters and yourself and, you know, all the people we know that have shot all these animals and share all the stories and all that stuff. The, the test sample is large enough to know that archery equipment is just not meant to shoot them in the leg yeah just shoot them in the soft <laughs> stuff and it goes through like butter yeah ribs are like potato chips it's yeah. no big deal like janice all the years of hunting and the hundreds of animals she's never had any issue with a rib she's never had an arrow not go through the rib cage it yeah. just goes through the rib cage like butter 
But if she shoots one in the backbone or if she shoots one in the leg bone, it can be an issue, but that can be an issue for any bow. It's for an any issue for us. my bow. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I've done that like um there was there was a few years where I shot shuttle T locks and honestly I just aimed like straight up it was after like I went to Africa for the first time and started shooting a little further forward. So I would just go straight up the leg and just purposely try to just go right through scapulas. But dude and I could. But where that where that freaking leg bone connects to the scapula. Yeah. I don't feel like I could have, it doesn't matter even at my draw length, what I was shooting. That is like a no fly zone. Yeah. And honestly, the spine, you can definitely hit one hard enough to crack it and drop them. Sure. But like you said, normally where the spine is, where the scapula is in front of that, that scapula gives, it flexes. And by the time you hit that spine, it's, it's pretty, pretty minimal. But, and, and listen, I'm a hundred percent going to say that a, a different broadhead choice and maybe a heavier arrow for me in that exact situation could get me better penetration, but I don't know for sure if it would get me a lethal, you know, right. different scenario. I don't know if it would be lethal because I've seen enough where, you know, it's like, there's certain things that, like you said, they're not they're not made for archery equipment, but I also feel like a huge number of the other stuff I have got, I wouldn't have got if I would have been like low and slow. Like I know there's stuff to where I'm like, man, that animal is moving. Like if I would have been five feet a second slower, that thing, like he would have beat, he would have beat that arrow there or, for sure. You know, honestly, some of the lanes that I've had to pick, you know, when you're yeah, hunting off the ground, the when you're hunting off the ground and you're not trimming lanes, you have to know how to thread a needle. And you really don't know how to do that unless you know the trajectory of your bow. Well, and that's that's why I always, you know, I, the, the sweet spot is 280 to 300 for me. You know, mm-hmm. I just love to live in that range. But, you know, that's... A lot of this is why I don't like to talk about animals. And, and actually, it, the funnest thing in the world is to listen to people tell their hunting stories. And everybody has a story of, oh, I hit this this deer in the leg and it disintegrated the leg, went right into the heart. And the next guy is like, oh, I hit him in the leg and, and it didn't go in at all. And so that equipment must not be efficient for that scenario. And I, there's so much inconsistency in all that that that's what makes it an endless conversation is you know you might shoot 20 of them in the leg and make it through all 20 times and it works perfect and the next guy might shoot two of them in the legs with more energy more more everything and have neither one of them going that far yeah it depends on your experiences where you're going to be with your opinion yeah but i honestly just boiled it down to this i truly believe that the inconsistency in shooting animals isn't anything that we can go by it's not scientific it's not repeatable it's not anything that we can measure in the i mean the we ver- can't we can do some of this stuff like well, what's this so what's, kind, this so kind what's of this? stuff here so i don't i'm not saying this is a leg i'm not saying that's a sky no, i know nothing I know, to do I know, with I know, that I know. but i'm just i'm just trying to you know so so this is a, it's kind of a funny thing because momentum, you hear momentum, a lot about momentum. Obviously there's 
all these all this stuff is factors in what we do it's all factors in archery however the measurable part of what we do is stored energy in the bow the efficiency in which we get the stored energy from the bow into the arrow and then the kinetic energy that the arrow carries that's the measurable factors that that create penetration and get you there so what i did is you know and and there's a bunch of people that want to talk about momentum and i i get it i understand it is way scientific and it's way too boring and it would take hours to go into that but what i did is i created two arrows with equal momentum and some people are going to say well you didn't shoot them from the same bow true story um you can't shoot a an arrow two arrows with equal momentum out of the same bow you can like kinetic energy i could shoot a 450 green arrow and an 800 green arrow out of the same bow and it's going to be within a couple foot pounds yeah, of kinetic energy. Yeah. That's easy. In fact, I think it was, I think it was less than one turn on one limb bolt, so it would have been, you know, maybe less than two pounds. Yeah. And I had equal kinetic energy, but to equal momentum, I have to either slow one down or speed one up or both slow yeah. and speed it. It doesn't matter how you you get the kinetic energy into the arrow, or it doesn't matter how you get the momentum into the arrow. What this test is doing is I built an 800 green arrow, I think it's 800 greens, and I built a 400 green arrow, and I just shot them into the, this is this is PVC so plating. I'm scrubbing here. It's, uh, um, yeah, 450 Jesus, green. Jesus, you have your camera on? So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm trying to scrub through <laughs> slow because it's going so fast. Is your... So this is a, that's Boom. a 450 green arrow. Okay. And this is a 3 8 inch sheet of, PVC and these are one eighth inch sheets of PVC and it broke, it broke the three eighths inch sheet, and three of the one eighth inch sheets, 450 green arrow with equal momentum and I I have the momentum in the report but it, it isn't written on the screen right there. So this is an 810 green arrow with God. the equal momentum and it bounces off the three quarter. Oh my God! So it did. It just bounces right off and so it. And it's 810 grains. It with broke the wood that held the freaking thing into place. But yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was a previous that was loose already. But I'm just holding those solid. Yeah. And I did this actually on a, with a couple different. I did it on the face of a target as well. But what this shows you is if I put equal kinetic energy in both those arrows, they do the same thing. Yeah. So so this, you know, a 450 grain broke the the three eighths and three of the one eighths and uh eight hundred grain with equal kinetic energy breaks the three eighths and three of the you know equal kinetic energy does the same thing yeah equal momentum does not do the same thing not even close and the difference that the measurable difference between the two is actually the um, the kinetic energy difference so it, it goes back to kinetic energy it's yeah. what you measure in order to get yeah. You know, it's the energy, it's it's the capacity the arrow has to do work is kinetic energy. And originally there was um there was a topic where people were talking about, well, kinetic energy ends when the arrow leaves a bow. When the arrow leaves a bow, like two years ago, this was all over social media, where 
where kinetic energy stops when it leaves a bow. And it's like, what? What? And yeah. <laughs> so, so, then, so then they refined that answer and they changed it to, well, kinetic energy stops upon impact. It's like, well, no. Um, kinetic energy is what any object has while it's in motion. So anything in motion has yeah. kinetic energy. And an arrow has kinetic energy as long as it's in motion. When it stops, of course, it no yeah. longer does. So when they were trying to discredit momentum or discredit kinetic energy and promote momentum, they said, well, kinetic energy doesn't even exist after impact, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, no, that's that's not how it works. You know, kinetic energy is all the way through the deer, yeah. all the way through the elk. It's it's in the arrow. You know, that's what's doing the work. Yeah. It's an actual energy. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even the momentum side, once everything's fully stopped at that point, Yep. Everything stops. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. So this is the first. <laughs> this is because these pictures, I literally, there I just no grabbed order. a whole. Yeah, yeah, there's no order. I just grabbed <laughs> yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. So this one, this is kind of kind of interesting. So this is a, uh, the left arrow is 600 grains with 20% FOC. And 87 foot pounds of KE. Yep. The right arrow is uh, 400 grains with 13% uh, FOC and 84.7. So you're, you know, you're basically three three foot pounds worth of kinetic energy difference. And this is um, ballistic gel, and I shot them at 50 yards. And and so I I shot I've shot. I, you tell me something to shoot into, and I'll shoot into it. So I mean, I shot into <laughs> yeah. tr trees, lumber cement uh, you know whatever I, I shot into everything there is to shoot into sand water um we did of course a ballistic gel steel plates pvc plates on and on and you find the same things on every single medium that you can shoot into you're going to find that the kinetic energy is the difference in kinetic energy is the difference in penetration that you're going to find between two bows like if you had a bow with with only um 40 pounds of, of KE, you know, the knock's going to be up here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Go. And if you had a same token, if you had a, a bow 100 with 100 pound pounds, KE, the yeah. knock's going to be up here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> it is it is the correct measure of, of penetration on any scientific repeatable medium that yeah. you want to shoot into. Um, KE's pretty has done pretty good for me when I base what I'm going after based on a KE number. Yeah. It seems like it's done good. Well, even the game laws. I mean, even, you know, I've seen American game laws that way too, but especially like African game laws. Yeah. A lot of the countries require X amount of, of kinetic energy. Yeah, because that's yeah. we had to build the bows that way. Remember when mm -hmm. we had to build a bow for Joella? Because mm -hmm. Joella took, went for an elephant, right? Cape jo Buffalo. It was for Cape. Yeah. And so she, by law, she had to shoot a certain... 90 foot pounds. 90 foot pounds, right? Yeah. So then we had to build her a bow that would like just get her that yeah. so she was legal right she yeah. did it yeah too. she did yeah. <laughs> okay so let's, let's move to the next one here okay so this is constant momentum constant in this forum <laughs> i had to put that in there because because everybody's like oh constant momentum it's not constant it's constantly changing and it's like no constant <laughs> in this situation means equal okay it, it, it's like that okay. kind of constant. okay so uh this is this is a um, 
equal momentum between a 600 grain arrow and a 400 grain arrow and that's showing you penetration now that's in foam and a bunch of people tried to discredit the penetration in foam but it's it's funny that that momentum you get this kind of discrepancy yeah if it's kinetic energy it's they're exactly they're the even. same yeah and then, and then you change the amount of kinetic energy and it's like this again so I yeah mean, it does show you something it does show you and it's consistent and repeatable and yeah. more scientific than, but so that's that's equal momentum um, between those two arrows. And the hard thing is like any type of synthetic material. It's hard. Like I had to do a bunch of ballistic stuff for two broadhead companies, and it was like I took the project on, and it, what a nightmare! Like yeah. dealing with like blocks and blocks and blocks of ballistic gel it like honestly even shooting the gel sometimes you you feel like you're getting skewed data like you don't feel like it's 100 percent accurate not to mention the difference in just arrow shafts that you're using it's like the arrow shaft drag seems like it has so much of a variation <laughs> on because it's like it's like a sticky jelly closing instantly behind that shaft and it right. seems like that's t doing well, more what you find that's why a lot of times and animals I, lubricated an animal yeah exactly but the uh the one thing that's why i don't get too deep into the broadhead subject i mean i have my own opinions and i i yep. I, I hunt and so i'm like super into the broadhead thing and lethality and all that stuff however i try to kind of leave that out of all these conversations because that compounds, I mean, we ain't even figuring this out and getting out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I we figured this out, but yeah. but the rest of the guys aren't haven't caught up yet. They um the rest of the people that that haven't grasped this. Yeah, there's no way I want to compound all yeah. the broadhead stuff. So, but what I did find in this stuff is, and I kind of knew it before I ever started. So I I just tested it for myself to verify. But the uh, the shape of the point makes a huge oh, difference. Oh, big time. And so, yeah, a Saunders point versus a ethics point or yep. something. So what I did is all the arrows are all perfectly tuned through paper. I mean, there's just bullet hole, you know, four fletchings. It's just perfectly tuned. And the tips are all identical. Uh -huh. So so the length of the field point might vary a little bit. Yeah. But the point, the field point itself is the same diameter. Yeah, because the, the bulge shape. point will give you a totally different thing than like, like than yeah. like a, you know, more of like a ballist, like a boat tail. Right. Or it's the Saunders huge. where it balloons out. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not really a bulge, but it's just like the taper. Yeah. They're it's all different. Your data. Yeah, you know, they're so. they're all different. So I mean, in anything that I do, and these these are just fun little tests. Like I said, I read something and I'm like, wait, what? And I jump off the couch and I run out to the shop. And I, <laughs> I test it just because, and then I and then I post it, and this is exactly what happened. Then I just sit on my couch and laugh like crazy over all the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, like some of this stuff is stuff that we actually used to do, especially when we had to build bows that actually made these that that made the law that would qualify to be legal oh yeah because we were chasing all this back when the bow had to be invented to actually do it right we i built a ton of bows for elephant and cape buffalo and stuff over the years yeah okay so so uh, this is a good this so this is that's constant ke constant so, kinetic energy yeah so those are 600 and that's 400 so if the foam is absolutely worthless to tell you anything well that tells you something that's yeah the same target. yeah so and literally this is, by the way that's a brand new target yeah never so had an arrow in it, but. for those of you listening and not looking um 
the arrow on the top on the first example, which is measuring momentum, so it's momentum, um, which is right at 0.557 slugs. Um, there's 18.8 inches of the arrow remaining. It's a 600 grain arrow, okay? Then underneath it's a 400 grain arrow with 556 slug, and it's at 15.9 inches. So it actually went in more, which, you know, some people are going to say what they're going to say. But then on the next one, Joel built arrows to where the kinetic energy match, not the momentum. And now what you have is you have two of them that actually are equal in their penetration to each other. And so, so that starts to bring forward the relevance of kinetic energy and why people need to realize this was a fundamental part of archery and building archery gear back, you know, when the greats well, started this. And, you know, if you, and let's uh, see. if you go through all the people like Norm Mullaney, Gary Simons, Matt, um, all the stuff that we ever did, it's all kinetic energy. That's the only thing in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got stored energy, dynamic efficiency, and kinetic energy. That's really the the other stuff that is involved in that. Yes, a heavier arrow has more kinetic energy, hands down. Um, but the relevance of it is minuscule when you're only you know you're increasing your you're increasing your arrow weight by 200 grains and you're gaining three percent. Uh, of kinetic energy and you're losing 27 percent of your speed of your efficiency of your that speed. Yeah, uh, yeah yeah of the speed which is was hard fought to get in your bow in the first place right all right so here's another one uh 50 yards so this is this is funny because this is actually probably a totally different day totally different test and it was a, something else that somebody said and i just ran out and did this separate or something because it was 50 400 grain arrow and a 600 grain arrow set equally to where they both have 87 foot pounds of ke and shot at 50 yards and here's an interesting thing so you hear about all the downrange uh, downrange speed erosion and all that kind of yeah stuff. well there's a couple things with that it that's true a lighter arrow does lose its speed faster than a heavier arrow right but yeah. the amount of time that it's traveled in the same amount of, or the distance that it traveled in the same amount of time is far greater. Yeah. And so we did a, you know, just because we get crazy and have to know answers to things, <laughs> we do wild stuff. Right? Yeah. So, so I had, you know, I built conographs with like plywood guards to them. And I had conographs that had like back in the day I had like, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100, 110, 120 yard conographs and was actually shooting through conographs. Yeah, we used to have to do that. We had those frames built around them so we we wouldn't break them because those red ones were so hard to get. You don't want to, yeah, shoot through (laughs) conographs. So then, uh, but now, you know, they got the range radar. We do the radars and all that kind of stuff. And we've had every every different version of those things, as you can imagine. I yeah. think all the bow companies well, probably I mean, you see them in here. How, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right there. <laughs> so, so, but here's what, so we, we were curious at what point does a 400 green arrow and a 600 green arrow match, match because they will, because yeah. they will match in, in, uh, in, at some point they're going the same speed. Yeah. Right. They cross. Yeah. So we did it with a crossbow cause it's easier just it, because it's like we shoot a million shots to get all this data. Yeah. And, but 
it doesn't matter. It's a 400 green projectile and a 600 green projectile. And they are actually going the same speed at like 187 yards. Is that where it is? Is that where it crossed? We got those two going the same speed. And the 600 green arrow was going faster than the 400 green arrow. I think it was like 220 yards. So they were traveling basically the same speed or, or you couldn't really detect the difference in speed yeah. until like 220 yards and and it was 187 is when when this arrow caught up to that. <laughs> so it's not it's not practical so downrange speed retention. Yes, there but both arrows are eroding no matter the weight of yeah. the arrow. They're both eroding. The only data that really matters is the difference. And then the relevance of that distance when you apply it to a practical sense is just nil. Yeah. This is a this is a trajectory thing and <laughs> I love and this. So so this is this is one this is this is funny because I was talking with a guy I get all kinds of messages, you know. It's like yeah. all the private messages and it's like, Well well blah blah blah, this is doing this and it's like, Okay, well let me go shoot it. So I, <laughs> I ran in the basement yeah. and uh two hundred and fifty grains was or two hundred and fifty foot a second is what he was shooting for speed, and I was at the time shooting 292. And he's like, it's not that much difference in trajectory. And I'm like, oh, really? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. ran into the basement, and this is and so I So this is it. 40 feet a second. For those of you listening, there's literally um, there's a, a full block target with arrows. At 20 yards, they're both in the same spot. 30 yards, they're, um, I would say, two inches, two and a half inches difference, Joel. Yeah, probably so. Um, and then... And then 40 yards is when it really starts to fall off the map. I would say the the distance dropped on the 250 foot a second bow from 40 yards almost matches the 50 yards of the 292, right? Yeah. Because there's that's yeah. that. So I mean, and then the 50 is freaking a foot and a half underneath the 50 of the 292 it just gets to be so insane and so so you get the guys that say oh you know i shoot 250 foot a second i shoot one pin out to 40 (laughs) it's like okay let's think about that (laughs) because (laughs) if if your one pin at 40 yards is in the center of a four foot block target you might be able to hit the black target. Hopefully, them. if any of you are listening to the Knock On podcast, you have not said that. Like, I hope I've got you that far <laughs> to where you like you know that you can't shoot one pin out to forty yards. Which, dude, that was such a common thing people would say when they oh, came into the archery shop. Okay, this no, is. I'll keep going. Uh, okay, I don't want to pick on anybody. Okay, well, this was a video that was posted <laughs> showing an extreme FOC, and what I'm blown away by is look at the freaking downward paradox of that arrow dude it cannot take it then now look at this joel this look is at the this part that I was looking at. <laughs> yeah you're looking at the at the punch to do i mean it's definitely a fair thing if if you're going to be doing accuracy tests or even any test you shouldn't be like hitting it home um yeah you saw that knock travel didn't you yeah um we won't talk about that that's bow design, but look at that paradox. But then watch this, dude. Watch the string. Watch the string right here. Okay, keep watching. Right there. So that so that arrow, that heavy arrow has pulled that string past the freaking stop. That's a stop, right? Yeah. Dude, 
the the weight of the arrow is pulling the string through the stopper and now watch this <laughs> the the string hits there and now look at the angle that thing goes and then now it comes all the way back across I mean, look at that peat, man. It goes all the way over here. I don't want to go into that. That's both stuff. Okay. So that's still good. Okay, we won't, but still. But, <laughs> so the, but the thing is, that is the that is legit. Like, when you have an arrow that's that heavy pulling that string and poor knock fit. So one of the things I'm going to be talking about this week is how when people are worried about, like, accuracy, your knock fit can have more Huge. to do with accuracy than almost any of this Huge. stuff. Huge. When, you know, I hear all, I see all this stuff about and turn, with fixed turning blades. knocks and stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing with the knock. And Easton makes crazy good knocks. Yeah. That's the best knocks there are. But, but when, they, when they say, oh, just turn your knock a little bit. No, forget that. If it doesn't shoot, take that knock out, throw it away, and put a new <laughs> yeah. knock in there. Yeah. You know, 90% of the time. It'll join join the rest of the group. It'll it, come yeah. right back. I mean, that's a. That's I had a, people tell me they were totally surprised that I changed knocks before every event. Oh man, if they're hitting one another and you're you're causing damage to it in any way, it's <laughs> anyway, huge anyway, huge difference. All right, so, what do we so, got here? So this is that same 850 grain arrow that was in that thing. This is just a three eighths inch sheet of plywood. And that's 450 grains, and it shatters it. 450 versus an 810. Equal so, KE. So, well, that's equal KE. Yeah. This, is so equal, this was equal KD, so KE. So if you do the 800, it's going to do the same. It's going <laughs> to blow it away. I love your uh, your your <laughs> transitions. My little, my little sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the 800 grain, and it does the same as a 410. Yeah. But I have a similar video where the 450, you know, does that. And then the 800. Uh, is that this one? No. Oh, that we saw There's that a, one. Okay. So this is. Oh, hold this on. Is, What's this one? <laughs> like I said, I just goof around, right? So this is three. Yeah, but the thing is, this is like real because I know how well, I know how precise you are about like. This is the thing. You will it. like build a bow just to get an exact number to prove a number. Like I know you. Oh yeah, I've so spent that, two days on this. That's what's like it's hard irrelevant. for me to tell people is like so, <laughs> this is the stuff. Like, this is the stuff, people who are watching. This was the culture of me as an 18-year-old person working for Matthews. And Joel was my boss, and Matt McPherson was my boss. And then Gary Simons comes in, and it's like, this stuff was all the time. And yeah. and, and If you honestly, don't know the answer, we wouldn't found it. Yeah. yeah, yeah we found okay. it. So this is... This is Funny, funny stuff here. Uh, this is three eighths inch PVC plates again. How come you went with this, P, uh, PVC? Just out of curiosity. This is what I had. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I mean, it shatters, it breaks, and I like that. So, so if you're going to make it through a bone, here's what here's my take on bones and uh, having shot thousands of bones. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about live animals, like like bones, like what I would get from I my butcher say, buddy. You've definitely shot so, thousands so, of like so, live bones. So, but all right, but the dead bones, you know, the ones in the shop mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. If you shatter it you're going to make it through. Like when I, yeah. when I tell you that Janice can bust a femur and go that's right why those old muzzies were awesome. Muzzy had a good point. Yeah. Bad to the bone. So it shatters a bone and the arrow goes and right through. And then it can cut. If you're right. going to penetrate a bone, that's a, I, I got a quick story about a guy that shot an elk. A friend of mine shot an elk with me and, um, the arrow 
it was a Zwicky without a bleeder blade. It was a two-blade Zwicky, the Eskimos. And yeah. it was completely vertical, and it absolutely centered a rib cage. It yeah. hit dead center in a rib. And that's the only time I've ever seen a rib cage actually be a problem for an arrow. And we got the elk. But the arrow went through the rib vertically and penetrated the rib, and it didn't break. It never did break. It just rib. squeezed it's, the arrow. It squeezed because the, it cut through so perfectly. And there was this much of the shaft that looked like you put it in a vice and squished <laughs> it as aluminum. It's aluminum twenty twenty. Wow. Arrow, arrow shaft, and the aluminum was actually squished together for this long, and it went in like that far, and it was a uh, um, two blades wicking, and, and it vertically went through. Now I've shot. Lots and lots and lots of them with wikis where it just blows right through and bust ribs going in, bust ribs coming out, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But if you if you penetrate a bone, it's not as good a situation as if you bust it. If yeah. you just bust a bone, the arrow keeps going and goes right through the goodies and all that stuff. But if you if you actually penetrate a bone, I think that's a little bit of what's going on when arrows don't make it in. Yeah, is it didn't break. It it just tried to penetrate. And yeah. I don't think that we can build bone arrows strong enough to actually penetrate through massive amounts of bone. Yeah. I think we can build them, you know, to where. No, there's definitely something to it when they're smashed, you yeah. know, when they, but, and, and see, that's, what's weird is like, and I remember you showed me this one time we were, we were actually talking about Muzzy versus Zwicky. I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> um, it was like. Well, it was before that the machine shop addition was built onto the original building because I oh, remember yeah. right where we were standing in the the court the that viaduct wasn't the connecting thing wasn't yeah. there yet. The but um, you we were talking about busting a bone versus you were saying like you know the thing is with these though how hard you have to push them to push them through hide, oh, and then you said then you yeah. said, have you ever seen a Zwicky? And I had never seen one. And you screwed one on and you literally held an arrow right above your shoulder and you dropped it and the arrow just stuck straight up and down into a two by four. Right. And you're like, that's a Zwicky. And you said, you know, however, that sometimes cuts bone and it doesn't shatter it. Yeah. And you're like, so what would you rather have the bone shatter? And then this is takes more to push through and you can actually go all the way through to what you're wanting to get for. Right. Or do you want to cut and have to risk that? Like, I remember that situation. So it was probably relative yeah. to that guy then. Yeah. <laughs> it might've been relative to that and that's story. A, that's funny. That's going back like 25 years. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so, so this was PVC. This is particle board, which is as consistent as wood can get. Obviously you know, in right? the garage. And, okay. uh, and uh, you know, I did a bunch of FOC stuff. You know, it's got different weight FOCs. I got 416 green arrows. 652 green arrows and just different and i i labeled all the boards and i shot the boards and i shot the pvc and this is the point with all this stuff um we understand why this is going to do what it's going to do i mean because we've worked on it for our whole lives yeah so i mean we know what's going to happen but even at that i go into these little ditty test things completely open-minded and yeah. it's like i want to know and so i don't do it to document i don't do it to post it on social media yeah. i do it so that i learn you know yeah. that i'm learning and and i keep thinking well maybe i'm missing something and i'll read read something where those are always our biggest tests were the ones where no one knew the answer right 
Like if Gary and Matt didn't know the answer, then it was an all out fledge, like what kind of machine do we need? Like what right. should we do? Because that question came up about knock travel too. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that. Oh, remember, because yeah, we were straight line cam. Yeah. And so a bunch of that came up. So that's like when we got the very first, like people ask me if I've worked with high speed footage. We had cameras that like none of us could afford when Matt would drop what kind of money on a camera before there were cameras and lights that were like would burn a building down they there was were so freaking there was something hot. you know he, he used to say the story there's like seven of them and the other six in military <laughs> <Something> <laughs> like that's that, that is you know, right that like, is right there's some, some story like that yeah because the, the ones we had were like for like rock like to for explosions right, right. they were to document explosions it was something yeah. stupid so, like that. And, and now those, you know, the way technology moves. Yeah, now, it's on an nowadays, iPhone. Yeah, your iPhone does better. <laughs> but anyways, that's just kind of. So what happened? Do, do I have to go to the next screen to uh, see? Yeah, so the, you know, it, oh. it, the, the results are pretty much. So so like if, uh, click maybe another picture to oh, okay. the other way. So oh, like there's your go. steel plate. <laughs> and, uh, and this is a 416, the 652. And I, so, I mean. Granted, I know we're not hunting steel plates. Everybody always says, we're not hunting steel plates. We're hunting animals. But, you know, the results that you see in a scientific, repeatable medium actually support what you would look for in, you know, in math. Yeah. The math is supported with all these little ditty tests that I do. Now, I, you know, we have we have a very, 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 nice facility and we have <laughs> we have we have i don't know six or eight engineers at our disposal um i could white coat this stuff i mean i could do a crazy yeah, video yeah i mean we could drop a couple hundred grand and do some beautiful video explaining all this stuff this is me just hacking around trying to show the public what actually happens this isn't scientific yeah. this isn't matthew's this is uh this is just data but but we all know it. I mean, the shooters know this stuff, the pro shops know this stuff, the all the engineers know this stuff. I, I actually get somewhat embarrassed when I post this stuff and somebody says, Oh dude, I seen that last post and it's somebody like <laughs> like <laughs> yourself or like yeah. Jeff Hopkins or, or somebody that you know they, Yeah, okay. You know, I'm like I'm like, yeah I, yeah, I need to explain myself here. I know that you get that, but yeah. some people don't. Some people, yeah. I mean, some people, are, I, I promise you, there's probably half the comments that are arguing with that. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It's like, aren't, aren't you looking at it? Yeah. Because that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not pulling your leg. That's actually, here's a particle board. You so know, here's a particle board. And it's equal KE because they're all equal. They're all equal KE. Penetration is you know basically tight so close so basically if you're shooting it from the same bow you're within you know you're within three percent ke and those knocks are all within three percent of equal penetration which is exactly what it should be and it shows that on literally every medium that I can think of to shoot. <laughs> Whoa, tell, uh, tell what, me should we look for something yeah, around in here? Let's grab something. I'll, I'll, shoot, my it chairs, I'll shoot it around your chair. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Gosh. that's, and here's the other thing that, that I'm, I'm kind of blessed with a situation where, uh, I literally don't care about 
wrecking I know, five hundred dollars worth of arrows. I don't care and, about wrecking and, a truck either. And, and, if, so and, if, <laughs> and if this particle board that might have been part of my bed or something. I mean, I'll cut whatever. I'll use whatever. I'll cut whatever apart and test with the the I know. the resources are literally <laughs> endless on what I would do. To just figure it out for myself. Uh, yeah, just, I know. Uh, if I'm curious, I'm going to figure it out. That's yeah. the thing. I, this I just, is all, that's all the same KE, and this is these. This is all different arrows, you know, all different. And all different arrows, and you just match the KE, and then they're all regardless. No, of the actually, weight. those aren't. Uh, so I didn't even match a KE. What I did is just shot them all out of the same bow. So, oh, so okay. So that's within. Well, see, three. that's to me, that's more fair. Right. Like that's what I did is I figured out on my dial where I had to set the dial yeah. to shoot the arrow that people want because people aren't wanting to like, they're not moving scale for scale. Like, listen, if someone's saying I want 285 out of a 700 grain arrow, I'd be like, damn right you do. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Damn right you do. Dude, if I do, could do shoot you 300 want to... foot a second, 600 green arrows, I'm in. I'm then. Yeah, give me, that give me some of that. Yeah. You're I want closer some. to being able to do it than I am with that 31 uh, If anyone's drawing. getting it, it's me. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's cool. Okay. So here we go. Just, you know, more nice, of the same ballistic gel, you know. I'm surprised your uh, Allen wrenches aren't more rounded out than that. that I might, would never steal yours because yours <laughs> that never. That might be at never. work. That stuff looks like yeah, the range. Yeah, this okay. totally works. That's not. Okay. Yeah. That looks like ballistic gel, Joel. Yeah, that is. That's okay. ballistic gel. Oh, wait, and, was that you know, picture? That wasn't in. So this one is new. Yeah. Oh, okay, this is all gel. That's. that's so, and, and that was a new block. And so what I did is I shot, you know, the 416 individually then i moved over and shot the four six uh, yeah 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 because that stuff so gets that compromised it, it, when right. it detours and then i then i just went crazy and shot the for those of you listening way. um there's 416 grain arrows all the way to a 651 yeah. uh all the all the veins have the weight of the arrow and also the foc marked um and shot into a brand new block of ballistic gel which isn't cheap that stuff and the other thing that God. the other thing that uh, that I have to say about FOC is we haven't I, said anything on it. Yet, this is I'm that's, that's a whole can of worms. But you know, there's a lot of talk about it, and there's a lot of talk about that doing something for penetration. Yeah, I have not found it. I cannot find where that does anything for penetration with a compound. Yeah. But if I shoot my stick, huge difference. So what happens is you've got Archer's paradox. With yeah. a stick, you're go, trying to go around the shell. So you're talking stick kind of bow, by the way. Right. Listening. Yeah. Long bows and recurves and all that. Yep. And there is a difference, and there's things that can change there. But for There's such a, a difference when someone's shooting a recurve with a very different riser shelf and fingers and a side pressure rest yep. versus a compound bow with a release. You're lining everything dead center, down the middle. You know, it, a 100%. compound is straight in, in the recurve. I mean, to get off the get-go, you're shooting a, a percentage of a degree off, off to the, the left, and you're expecting yeah. the arrow to flex around the riser to compensate. And Well, you know, I saw a comment. Um, so Troy, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, Troy's podcast will come out. So I'm, I'm hoping people that, like, have seen you and Troy, if you're ever, like, in a post together or whatever. I hope people can actually just hear the difference in 
understanding. But what I will say is what I don't like, what I really don't like, um, and I told Troy this was, you know, I just, I don't like drama. I don't like meme. I just want positive. And I saw where he had made a comment, like in one of Bill's tests with Iron Will, he kind of just said, well, it looks like the arrow's coming out sideways to me. That would skew the data. Well, like, wouldn't some of Ashby's data out of a recurve be skewed if, like, that thing isn't coming out with a bullet hole, would it? You know, um, so, you know, with all all respect for Ashby, um, some of the, those testing was just different equipment. I mean, yeah. and, you know, he actually said that, you know, when the, compound came out one of his buddies was shooting like a 80 pound warthog remember the martin warthog mm -hmm. he was shooting an 80 pound martin warthog and none of the arrows would stop so they couldn't really test any of that because uh there was nothing to measure the arrows were passing <laughs> completely through so it's like so it's like well okay wait wait now that that bow had like 70 percent dynamic efficiency with a 600 grain arrow yeah we're at every bow manufacturer is pretty much 80 to 85 or more yeah, yeah. Uh, percent dynamic efficiency. 84 or something average right now. Uh, dynamic efficiency with a 350 grain arrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, you got to keep well, in that's, mind. So, we're, yeah. We're, so, we're so go back everything. on that. Go back on that. For those of you listening, so when we're talking about bow's efficiency, the de bow design's efficiency, what everyone needs to realize is that as an industry, we have a standard to which we measure our speeds that we advertise. So that arrow weight is literally what our design and efficiencies need to be based it's all off of. based off that. Yep. 350 grains. Five grains pounds. per pound. Yep. 70 pounds with a 30-inch round. Because yeah. five grains per yeah. pound at 60 pounds is different than five grains per yeah. pound at 80 How pounds. How much did it lose? I forget it's what It's like it, five. Five feet a second, right? Yeah. And um, same for draw length. It seemed like draw yeah. length and 10 pounds, if you kept it at five grains per pound, were somewhat similar depending on the cam style. Right. Yeah. Well. Eight to 10 sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it would be, I guess, a little bit less. Here's the thing. This is a, this is just thought on dynamic efficiency and how things work. Um, the older bows, a recurve, a long bow, an older compound bow, um, a heavier the, an engineer made this statement one of my buddies and and uh, um, it's it's the best statement explaining it, it says it all in just a little quote the advantage of shooting a heavier arrow is solely from making the bow more efficient and that's a true and accurate statement yeah so what happens is is because we used to shoot a 600 grain arrow the bow was more efficient and you know, more of the kinetic energy went into the arrow, more of the stored energy went into the arrow as far as kinetic energy because of the dynamic efficiency that the weight of the arrow. This is an interesting thought. This is, I'm just going to put this in your head. It doesn't work exactly like this, but I'm just going to throw this out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, just, I'm, cause I'm not going to go I'm, to. I'm visualizing I, the stepbrothers. Yeah. Moment. I'm going to throw this out there. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this if, out there. If you like. So, so here, here's. Come this on, is, Ron Burgundy. I, I'm not going to go. waiting. Deliver I, this. I'm not going to go proprietary <laughs> and, and the details are nothing. But so, so like I'm, I'm looking at a bow right now and I see four sets of two knock sets on the string yep. on the top and four sets of two knock sets 
on the string on the bottom. Mm-hmm. What does an oxet weigh? What was it? Three grains? Can't remember. Three to five? Okay. The heat shrink that you, you basically got probably, let's give it five grains on the top and bottom of that bow that I'm looking at. Um, so there's 10 grains of heat shrinks, and you've got two, four, six, eight. You got 16. 16 knock sets at three grains is a lot. A lot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so basically. I'm glad we're giving mathematical yeah, data. Yeah, right. I'm more interested in where so, you're going. I'm, I'm so, like. I'm, so, so, so the bows that were cruddy, cruddy efficient, you know, the Martin Warthog or whatever. Actually, that bow for the time was actually pretty good. Yeah. You know, competitively to the other bows of the era. But anyways, uh, so. A 600 grain arrow was better than a 400 grain arrow because we added the arrow weight to make the bow more efficient, right? And what what adding arrow weight does is it makes the friction in the system less. It it makes it the whole mechanical system work better, yeah. right? That's making it more efficient. How many grains of Noxets are on that string? Because I know some of them are like 200 grains of Noxet. Uh, yeah, I haven't even freaking measured. Like, I haven't even looked at that. But, yeah, back in the day, we were going nuts about it's, a few grains on the string. But now we well, have actually, to have it. Actually, it matters. So, like, yeah, if you for move, sure. If you cut two of those Noxets off, you've lost a couple feet a second. Yeah. Speed. So it or matters. move them. And, or move them. And, and those Noxets are not making it's not storing more energy yeah what it's doing is it's making the stored energy delivered to the arrow more efficient now think about that you got 200 grains of knock set on the string how heavy is your arrow my my arrow is like 460 yeah plus 200 yeah is what 600 dang joel you're throwing <laughs> mine grenades out there right i like so, that though so I, you know, it it doesn't work exactly like that. But, but <laughs> why just, the heck haven't you cut all just, your freaking things off your string and went and shot a six hundred grain arrow and see what it does, <laughs> dude? <yeah. laughs> I, I'm not project. gonna I'm not gonna get too deep into bows, but don't think that Science hasn't project? happened. Yeah, <laughs> don't think that that doesn't happen. I'm. You know so, what I want to do? I'm gonna. This actually, is this is some. This is what I hold kinda, on before I get into this. I want to just hit stop by the way because i'm trying to have a a tv in here for the video podcast everyone listening um and joel kind of literally came last minute i'm filming and recording with some last minute concoctions here so i want to make sure i hit stop and restart just in case we lose something (laughs) we don't lose the first hour and 35 minutes well this is probably going to be part two of of the podcast coming now that i realize i actually didn't realize the first one was an hour and 33 minutes but we had to do a quick pause so i didn't have any lightning strikes and lose all the media all right so we're picking up where we left off my conversation with joel we're on a brand new photo here so what's this photo bullet holes well that's just that's just showing that i i shoot everything through paper and i tune it and and i get get the arrows flying, you know, before I do any kind of a test. Because you kind of need to make sure your arrow flight's straightened out for those of you listening. Otherwise, especially with penetration, you got some, like, wobbly old arrow going down there. It's not really fair, right? Right. So, I, you know, I tune the bows and and get, you know, get arrow holes from everything that I'm trying to test and, you know, so that it's all... 
It's okay. all legit. Because, so, you know, and I, honestly, so what is, I find so this that has speed mark too. Is this just, you're just showing what you, like what you kind of went through to make sure that that 24 FOC yeah. arrow actually tuned. Right. Yep. And, so the, I, and the, and the, the 13% and the 14% FOC and the different, different grain weight arrows and everything. Just so that things are shooting. That's just a conograph. And oh, the, this is back when you were just showing yeah, the real just, speeds. It's just to document speeds yeah, on some of the information to, we were talking about. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like your old desk. <laughs> so, so this is what's funny is that's and that's like card bills. that's like not even that's not even a part. So, so like uh, oh, um, for for uh, in the strength to weight spine ratio, I use those airstrikes because they're light mm -hmm. and yeah. and I can do crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can manipulate. Them I can easy. manipulate them. You know, when you got a when you got a real low grains per inch kind of yeah. kind of deal and you can i can stick a 300 grain point on there and vary the arrow weight and not lose my spine and it's a high modulus lightweight arrow yeah. it's a good platform to to do a lot of but when you have to be that diverse like you can't start out with a with a 10 grains per pound yeah you can't you yeah. just can't or 10 grains per inch yeah you just can't but what's funny is through all this testing, which you know aero companies have done, oh, yeah. you end up at a GPI, a grains per inch on an arrow, based on where they think that people should fall within their finished arrow build. Oh, right? sure, yeah. You know, so the, yeah. so the, you know, think about the Easton engineers. Oh, my word. Those people are so smart. Yeah. They've done so much of this stuff. That stuff's got to be just absolutely laughable yeah, for them to see yeah. to see somebody arguing about uh foc and and arrow weights and you know to see see this miscued data out there that's just totally not correct um easton's just gotta be like you know <laughs> some of the guys they gotta be Dude, laughing I at know. i've been i'm like <laughs> they gotta be like wait what we did that like 40 years ago and well, you were wrong then too yeah yeah for sure and I mean, some of it. I was so. This is just showing your tip F O C. Oh, you're just measuring F O C on well, the lock. Well, that's that's actually, you know, the whole term F O C kind of drives me crazy because you got center of gravity and yeah. center of pressure. Yeah. And center of gravity and center of pressure is what truly matter. Um, you know, in center of pressure, then you're dealing with veins and drag and yeah. and that kind of stuff, and that gets really scientific and pretty deep, and, and then you're into the Eastern yeah. Engineer yeah. world. But FOC means the weight front of center. Well, that isn't really a thing for aerodynamics. It's more center of gravity and center of pressure. In the, yeah, that part in, I'm in not going to side with you on. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna say there's someone like James Park that would, would 100% know better. that. And They're if, and if I were to tell you, what I, I will what I will tell you is weird. And, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this. What I found is when the, the actual weight of the point gets too big, it starts to mess up the accuracy of the projectile, in my opinion. Like, I feel like even though some of the numbers they're chasing get good, but what you have to do forward of the shaft that's actually flexing this starts to complicate things a little bit. It's, because of the length of the point. Yeah. I've yeah. always felt like keeping yeah. the weight closer to that. Like, like it if actually, it was a weighted 
like mm-hmm. weighted back here. Yeah, is than, yeah. Even though it changes the spine. See, I feel I feel that way in. with. Um, <clears throat> listen, I know the long, the long skinny broadheads. Like they're definitely going to be penetrating SOBs. Yeah, like the three to one. Or but when people ask me, like, you know, why my arrows at twenty nine and a quarter inch? Listen. The shorter I can make my projectile from a wind, drift, and aerodynamics point of view, the better off. Yeah. Like, and when I'm having to aim, when I'm having to add like half outs and then like some kind of a really long front point, and I've always struggled with that. And granted, I'm at a long draw. Like I'm at a 31 inch draw. My arrows are already pretty long as it is. When I make the point longer too, it even starts to mess up what I know about what's happened. Like I start to lose accuracy. I've always, and when people say, well, why do you only choose the hundred grain heads? Um, And this goes back to like, honestly, what you taught me when we were shooting the T100s, the, you know, the the berries, though, like to be able to shoot a short compact hundred grain head, for me, just always flew so freaking good, right. and it, there was less tuning issues no. than than when you went to the same cut diameter, but like you lengthened out that ferrule like an OG Thunderhead, you know, versus like a Trocar or something. Well, I, I think you're putting a vein on the front of your arrow, regardless whether you don't want yeah. the smallest vein possible, yeah. right? Because I mean, that's <clears throat> that's interfering with aeroflow when you when you put <clears throat> when you put blades or any kind of a broadhead on the front of your arrow you you virtually compounded any problems that the arrow <laughs> has and and it's a vert it's a vein on the yeah. front of your shaft and yeah. now your now your drag has to overcome that yeah that vein on the front and and like i said I, that's a little bit of why i just stay away from broadheads as much as possible in conversation because you know you know that is this so, is complicated yeah. enough yeah yeah and then you yeah. get into the broadhead thing and it's like oh my word and it's... then the technique people's form their technique like that slow motion footage that we saw of that arrow pulling that string that far forward yeah, if that's a fixed I'm, blade it's dude, already going that way it's yeah. already going that way it's already going and that depending way. on like the profile of that fixed blade well now it's like a whole different equation too exactly it gets super yeah. complicated so this you're just showing that you actually are, yeah that's, are measuring that's FOC. FOC. Yeah, measuring FOC, yep, and that block is so they start out a ways apart, and you just pull them together, and that's where the FOC is or the center of gravity is. Cool. All right. Still showing that. Just marking your arrows. Obviously, that showing. This is just verifying your weights or yeah, accurate. All, weights. And, all right. So, <laughs> so what we got here is that a, so is that on, a jug of on sand? This partic- on this particular <laughs> day, we had a jug of sand. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't stop in the front side, so I measured the back side. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, somebody would say, oh, it hung up on the veins, but obviously it's all, there's 400, 600 green shot of the same bow. They're still they're, both stopped at the veins. Yeah, they they're, they stopped identical. And it, it, so, you know, I'll, you know, so you got here, you are 2970, 29-inch draw, 70 pound bow. And you got a 400 green arrow and a 600 green arrow. And I hear it all the time. It's like, oh, man, those 600 green arrows blow through everything. Well, I tell you, I'd like to see it because I, I can't find it. Every time I do anything with the kinetic energy being within 3%, penetration yeah. is within 3%, which yeah. is literally unmeasurable, um, 3% of yeah. you know, 90. So much pounds. of it comes down to the head. <laughs> 
It and doesn't. That, and, and as you can thing. see here, I, I try to always use the same fill point. And yeah. But so much comes out in the head, and that's what I tell people. I'm like, listen, you almost just choose the right head. Like, if you're questioning, do I have enough penetration? Dude, buy a G5 Montec solid or a, or an iron wheel, one of those freaking iron wheels or one of those kudus or like. So when I, you know, when I shoot a traditional bow, which I do a lot, I enjoy mm -hmm. that. <clears throat> um, shoot a long bow and a modified long bow and a recurve. I shoot iron wells because it's just a super quality part. Yeah. And it's great penetration. But I shoot the wides because I still can't get away from giant holes. <laughs> See, <laughs> I like giant holes. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I just like, and that that's one of the things um, when people are saying about they have to have two holes, like just because you have a hole with the broadhead doesn't mean the hole works. So because I, the skin if, moves the yeah, the flesh you, moves you, you get there's this fat it blocks it off i mean when so, you really cut it open though it kind of has a problem closing back my question is if you have a two inch entrance or two one inch entrance and exit what's the difference well in regards to what <laughs> i mean the the hole going into the critter if it's two inches at the entrance yeah or if you have a little slit one inch going in and a little slit one inch going out, which if you man, make it to I've, the halfway point, <laughs> I've, shot, I've, shot, I've shot a ton of stuff with his wikis. Obviously and we're and looking and, at a freaking and, uh, big old like death <laughs> canister of sand that you shot here. <laughs> but, I love but, that. But you know, all those little critters that, that uh, are all those little slit broadheads that I shot all those critters with, um, the hide shifts over the, the, the meat or mm -hmm. whatever you get that little membrane in there and it just it can close up those big old mech gashes like <laughs> mega meat or rage or you know those kind of broadheads those gashes they don't close that's you what i that's what i say I mean, but just... i mean i'm and i'm here's the thing i'm i shot fixed blades for a for a pretty like well you got me on t100s sure and the iron heads iron heads oh, that's right we shot iron heads we shot and like we went down that pathway, ninety green muzzies we shot a lot. Oh too. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the whole world did. Those those we 90s. glued them in the we glued those nineties in the end of ACEs. That's what it was. We, oh, we, that's right. It yeah. would glue right <laughs> we, into the ACE. We took those ACEs. It's so funny. People would tell me they're like, "What do you think about using a pro comp for a hunting year?" I'm like, "Dude, we used X10s." I shot a ton. Yeah, X. Um, they were X-tans when we glue the muzzy directly in there because the blades go in from the front and lock with the head, you know. Well, I thought muzzy made a broadhead with an outsert to fit on some of the very first I demons. I just took and then the we regular were, one. We were gluing because I think Rod White hunted with X-tans one year too. Yeah. And they were very good. Okay, this is just sight scales. So, so I did this, this picture. This is fantastic. This is a funny story. I took a picture of two sight scales, and I think – I think this one's like 314, and that was like 259. It was off that other No, slide. it's the other way. That's definitely 250. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the speeds were, were that. And uh, when I posted that, and and just to show the difference, of very, obviously what I'm showing is, I you know, this, this is 50 grains, and this is, or 50 yards, and this is 50 yeah. yards, and showing the difference. There. 14 yards. And uh, different um, just at 50. Yeah. And and so I, show, I posted that. And I had like 
a couple private messages and a bunch of comments actually on the photo. It's like, what is that? Where did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm not kidding. It's like, are, are you serious? That's a sight tape. And they're like, yeah. where do you get those? You know, it's like, well. Well, we used to uh, print them on like an actual like yeah. piece of junk printer. All right, what do we got here? More penetration? Some, something. <laughs> something. <laughs> Let's keep going. Yeah. So, okay. the, you know, here's the... Real the, pin gaps. Yeah, this okay. is real pin gaps, you know, from... And I don't even know the speed. This is probably 259 and 300 or something. But what's going on is I literally have all kinds of uh, screenshots that I take off posts where guys, you know, they're... 20 and 30 are this far apart, and then they're 40. Then down they're 50 here. and 60 get tighter together yeah, somehow. Yeah, and the, this is down here, and it's like, not to be mean, buddy, but your boat is not sighted in. <laughs> it doesn't or, work. Like or you're that. centering your pin and your peep when you get to the longer distance. You know, some and, some and people could housing, do that. Doing yeah, your housing on one and your peep on the pin on the other. Yeah, like I do think people might do that without really under like if the right. if you're. But here's the thing. When your pin gap is that big, it's so hard to actually center pin and housing because you're looking at so much of the real estate. When everything's here, it's like center, forget about that. Now I'm just like here, here. Right. You know, yeah. like totally different. Remember, all right. uh, remember the, all the years of Sherlock and the CBEs and all that stuff? They weren't round. Of course. They were square. So <laughs> so we the only thing we could do is center your pin. You couldn't, yeah. even, couldn't even center a... You got some old Sherlock stuff. I'm sure. It says old yeah. sites on um, the bottom oh, left. Right. <laughs> That'll be it. So what was this? I'm gonna I'm gonna look see if we got some. some. So that's just a variation of arrows, and again, um, that's in a foam foam target, which I know people discredit the foam, and they say that that's not something that you can measure in, but it is repeatable. And if I vary the kinetic, the kinetic energy, those are all shot out of the same bow. I mean, the I found something other than an old site. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> nice. Golden key. Dude, here was one of our OGs because this was one of the worm gear ones Steve built for us. Oh, yeah. The ones that move fast. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? They yeah, were like quick. They were quick really accelerated. <sighs> yeah. Oh. Dude, why do I, I can't believe I don't. I have, have some of those old Sherlock Supremes with the square, the square thing. There was no I... centering that in your peep. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was rectangular. <laughs> I know it was, it was horrible. Gosh, I, I thought I had saved one of those. In so the CBE one too. Remember the CBE one was square. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, CBE was super good sight, but it was like when old uh, Joe and Sandy made but the. The housing was rectangular. You couldn't really center it. But. All right. Okay, let's... Oh, no. Great. Okay, we're back, thankfully. Okay, we saw that one. Saw the drop. These are your different arrows. So that's you arguing that. Okay, so what's this one? So, again, All arrows, you know, I said... Arrows, and tune perfect. Same diameter, same points. And I, I said, you know, at 11.1% FOC and then 18% FOC and found virtually no difference in penetration actually the <laughs> the i would place this within the margin of error but uh yeah 13.59 uh, versus 13.5 yeah so that you know it's within the well what's crazy is like 
we're having these discussions. I think people out there should hear them. I think it's, I think it's super important that like we come forward and, you know, that's why when Bill called me, he's like, could, can we, can I do a podcast? I'm like, dude, hundred percent. Like yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. And honestly, when Troy reached out, I'm just like, Hey bro, like I'm good to go. Trust me. I'm like, I'm totally good having a conversation. Um, so have you, I guess two things. One, did you ever factor FOC in with your stick bows when you would build? Were no. you ever focused on FOC or were you worried about total weight? No, I, so with my, with my, uh, the stick I currently shoot, I actually shoot bamboo and I, I've shot carbon and a lot of, you know, precision stuff, but I really enjoy the nostalgia. So I use yeah. turkey feathers off turkeys that I shot and bamboo shafts and all that kind of thing. And those are typically, and I use an adapter to be able to get the iron wheels on there and that kind of thing. Right. And, and I really enjoy, you know, just the simplicity of all that. But those those arrows typically run between uh, 525 and 535 greens is what where my stick is at, and that's at and that's at 40 45 pounds. But keep in mind iron that wheel is, wides is yeah, what you run. I shoot wides. But that is making that bow more efficient because it is a heavier arrow, and the bow typically isn't as efficient, of course, as a combo. Okay, so what so what's your kinetic energy with your stick bow? 24 foot pounds. Okay. You've probably shot more with a stick bow than most people will. Like mo- like an average compound shooter that puts in for tags, I know you've shot more with a stick bow than, than what the average is. You probably did when I had already met you. So th- it's 24 pounds. The one I shoot now is, I, I mean, I used to shoot a 65-pound stick. And now yeah. the, the average weight... I'm on a lot of those forums and a lot of those groups because I really enjoy that. But uh, the average weight for stick bows nowadays are is probably between 45 and 55 yeah, pounds. Yeah, that's what weight. I figured. And they're so they'll keeping get in the low they're, 30s, or they're not getting the foot pounds of kinetic energy anywhere close to to what their draw weight is. So I mean, they're not getting the foot pounds what, of what kinetic is it? energy. Do they get into the 40s way. yet on some of these? Uh, like a 55 pound. They'll get in flow forties. Probably would get in. So the they're so literally they're getting a little bit less than Janice still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. My stick bow will never be what Janice's bow is. And and ever. so like say Janice's specs once again. So for those of you listening, like think about this when you're debating this and you're like questioning. I want to make sure that I can kill a deer, and I'm not worried about a heavy arrow. I'm only shooting at thirty yards or less. Like. These are all understandable comments, but like, do not be afraid of shooting I, a whitetail with modern <clears throat> compound equipment. So like, <laughs> Janice's bow is, she's a 25 inch draw length and she shoots like 50, 52 pounds and she shoots a 354 or 359, depends on what I'm doing, uh, grain arrow out of the bow and which head. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so she shoots expandables. She shoots max. But, and here's, yeah. a, this is a funny thing with that. I mean, she said, like, you know, crazy falls, like amazing successful falls, like you've yeah. had recently. Yeah. Um, she's had falls like that. Where, I mean, you know, five monster bucks and a bull elk and a moose. And, you know, we've been to Africa and Plains game and New Zealand and South Pacific game and, and all the different animals. And, um, 
like I said, she's been my hunting buddy through lots and lots of yeah. stuff and shot. She was a baller. Literally. I love the old pictures of her back when you guys had that that Cherokee that you totaled (laughs) on an antelope hunt. Yes. She loves antelope, (laughs) and she loves bears. She shoots gazillions of bears. But but the, the, um, you know, probably, uh, I don't know, hundreds of whitetails over the years. I would say at least. But, again, rage hypodermic and rage tripans are sticking in the dirt on the other side i don't i honestly i and i and people are gonna say oh no i see it on tv that the arrows don't go in very far no i don't even know how that happens because i kept all the data from a couple of years and i had two years of data and this this is not that great i'm not proud of this but i hunt out west a lot yeah you know, so i'm just gonna defend myself a little bit <laughs> uh, my average shot distance for the first year was like 56 yards yeah but but that included like you know that's probably an average distance for western mule deer antelope that included included a bunch of antelope and a bunch of mule deer and uh and maybe an elk or two and then and then it included some whitetails too yeah you know but my average shot distance was was far like that and i had all the data recorded in the first year there was a bunch of animals and and um there was one arrow that hung up on the fledge it went through, and it was an antelope. It went through through the rib Gosh. cage, like quartering away, and it caught like the back of the the scapula, I guess. But it hung up on the on the fletch on the yeah. opposite side, and that's the only arrow that stopped. I never had an arrow. See, stop. I always aim. I always aim offside arm, uh, and honestly, I like to stick in it. I mean, if you break it, it's great. You know? I say the same thing. Like, honestly, I'm just like, I want to stuff this arrow in there. And, and if they're running off and I can see exactly where that thing is. And honestly, if, if it's not like forward of the scapula knuckle, if it's from there back to the flank. Yeah. I mean, with a tripan, like it's kind of a dundee i always said you know I, when we were running around i always said if <laughs> i always joked and i i said if they're it's below the spine and behind the shoulder you own it yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you track bag. properly yeah. and like you know i've had i've had a lot of you know i guess um newer bow hunters that are i guess higher profile people that i've had to like track for them and, you know, they just come off like, I've never seen anything like how this guy tracks. And I'm just like, dude, you should see what I grew up with. Like, Joel was a flat out, like, like bloodhound. So, so What's this, this test? Dude. Is that carpet? No, this is the oh. lid off a really cool cooler that I used to have. <laughs> <laughs> but the foam was like this thick on all the sides. And so I filled it with... Uh, with really consistent sand and i thought well that'd be a cool test so <laughs> so so i uh i brushed it all off and and like had tried to make it as even as possible and i shot all these different arrows in the sand or whatever so it was like it was foam sand and then foam on the back side so the the tip of the arrow was actually touching the back side just to and you you're, know, just, just something else to shoot arrows yeah into. but you're still showing same, like the same a, thing. Everything we do is the same. It's going to show up there. Yeah. So know. roughly, by the way, this the margin of all these arrows going a pretty big spread of speed and also a big weight range, 200 grains of weight range. But the FOC runs from 
15 to 20, almost 22. But the KE coming back to that once again is Pretty 85 to, to 87. Yeah. Like 85 to 87. It's a variety of arrows all shot from the same bow. So yeah, it's going typical, to Joel. Like you're going to do a test, but you, you want to like put nice fresh stickers in here. So like it's, <laughs> you would do that when we'd have our little test things. You'd be like, well, make it look nice, Lipstick guys. on a pig. <laughs> so, so this is, this is, this funny. So I took Janice's Dude, bow. Dude, look at that. And I took Janice. So this, this is the same test and I just stuck chunks of wood in front of it, right? So, so it's going through wood, foam. And like 24 inches of sand, and then some more foam or whatever. But but there's one point, maybe slide to the next photo. That's Janice's arrow, and that's a piece of wood that I'm going to test her on. Oh, so, so this was the beginning of the test the when the sand yeah. was fresh. So that, that's before I shot it. But go oh, to the okay, next so one. the next picture is going to be. Oh. oh, I don't know if it's in there, but anyway, so Janice's, I did it. Janice's arrow. Okay, and. And so this is all my bow with like 87 foot pounds of KE. Yeah. For is what and I you're pretty much to the fletch. Fall, and they're all they're all equal. This is hers and her all sticking out like you know <laughs> like a foot and a half farther than than mine. And, yeah. And I and the point is, we know that that her bow performs. I mean, right. she she's gonna shoot a big old huge buck this fall is going to go and she's through got and stick half of what any of this stuff is even doing exactly. yet she's still going to go she's going to shoot through anything yeah <clears throat> yeah i think the broad i think if anyone is in question just get a good a really good like do research on people that can actually prove to you that a broadhead flies well that is such a more important place to use time. And, and honestly, that like, there, there's like Bill was on here for a reason. He's got a good product. This He's particular one was 364 grains, and it was shooting 235 foot a second. So it's a little bit heavier than what a normal setup would be. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you know that's her arrow, and I think that's the arrows that she shot a moose with. And so I, you know. Yeah. That's what's required. Janice's arrow went in this far, which, you know, is so, far enough for a moose is what and, you're saying. Yeah, and it in the moose, again, I talking animals is, is endless, but yeah. um, it buried to the fletch and, and in the rib cage. And, oh, you're saying on the moose it actually buried to the fletch. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So these arrows would have done more. Yeah, than those that. arrows, like gel is like meant to stop something to be able to like look at it. Right. That's what it's made for, right? It's so, not made to shoot broadheads well, into it. If you if it doesn't stop, if you, if it, it you know, here's the thing with that, you know, there's a lot of people argue that, but if it doesn't stop the arrow, what are you going to measure, right? There's yeah. nothing to measure. So so unless you're doing things like have a laser and see like the velocity that is penetrating, what archery is missing, and I'm a little bit jealous of some of the firearm stuff cuz Archery's missing standards. We don't have standards. It's, it's not, coming. Uh, please. It's you know, coming. Let's, let's do I that. I can't let's, talk about it, but yeah. You know, there needs to be standards in what we're testing, what we're shooting into. And when you do that, you're going to see that that everything that we've been doing is is the way it is. It's yeah. not, you know. And I, I don't know how to show it. I, you know, I've, I've done all these different little ditty tests, and this is just not my own goofing around. But I've done these things to try to show people rather than just telling them. Because if I type in there and say kinetic energy, 
when it's consistent out of the same bow with a 400 grain arrow and a 600 grain arrow, they're they're just going to laugh. They're going to shoot that down. So I try to show it, and um, it it just that's how it works. That's how a bone arrow works, and it's because we are so dynamically efficient nowadays. Pick a number, say 85%. No, I'll say most all modern bows are 85% dynamic efficiency. That's with a 350 grain arrow. They're not going to make 94% dynamic efficiency with a 1400 grain arrow. Yeah. So that's your gap. You you can go from, you're going to go from 85% to 94% with a 350 grain all the way up to like a 14 or 1500 grain arrow. That's the room that you have to work with. So when you go from a, you know, I, I, I get, people are like, oh, I'm going to add 50 grains for a little bit more penetration. <laughs> well, you, That's you so just, small. You just gained one-tenth of one percent of, <laughs> of, of energy into the arrow, and you probably lost 20 foot a second doing it. But yeah. for me, what 50 grains will do is the accuracy. Right. And that's and so what it's the, all about. And that's what it's all about. Like, that's so, what I'm <laughs> telling people. It's like, listen. 100%. We made brass. We made brass inserts for ACEs because when we, because we had an, we had an aluminum insert. That's all there was. 16 grains, right? Is yep. that what it was? Yep. But even though, but when you went to a 150 grain head all of a sudden with this arrow, now it groups better. But you don't like the flight characteristics of a 150-grain broadhead because right. they sucked. We couldn't get them to fly. They, they were too big. You know, it's Up like front. the weight came with blade size. Remember? Like, that's yeah. how they used to be. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Can we – this goes back. Can we shoot the T-100s? Can we shoot the steel 100s? But have 150 in the front. Yep. So that's when we started to make the inserts. To it was always <clears throat> chasing groups. It chased the groups, and then what we realized was the weight of the head normally came with compromise because it came with the aerodynamics and the shape of the head. Yep. So now it's like we can, you know, like, well, like that Sonic KE, how cool is it? You can get a 250 spine, throw 75 grains of brass in the front of it and shoot any compact 100 grain fixed blade head you want. And that thing's going to shoot awesome. If you want more weight, then you go up to an axis. They're, you know, match grade. They've already done all the freaking homework for you. Yep. You can put brass in there. And you know what? If, if you find out later that the heavier stuff isn't necessarily working for you, then... Dude, there's some pretty awesome flying 75 grain fixed blade heads if that's what you want. Yep. But you still have 125 in the front, which is what we only, that's like hardly, that's like what we had. That was almost like yeah. what you had, 100 and 125 grain head. Here's my conclusion to all this. If I had to <laughs> summarize this, I'll summarize it for you. I could throw my grain scale in the garbage. I don't need it. If I'm shooting over 280 foot per second and it's wad narrows up the size of a tennis ball at 100 yards, I'm good. Yep. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I don't care if it's 420 greens or I don't care if it's 400 greens and I don't care if it's 490 greens. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Anything up to accuracy loose, is, you're saying, accuracy probably. Is, I mean, we're not talking dangerous game, I guess, just yeah. for those. For accuracy listening. is 100% where it's at. It, it, it doesn't, 
you know, if I have, I don't usually go over 500 grains. Um, I would, or it doesn't really matter, but it slows my bow down because yeah. I only got a 29-inch chronic. But if I would go from 500 grains to 350 grains any direction if it shot good. So, I mean, if, <laughs> if, if, I, if I can hit a bottle cap at 100 yards every time, I'm shooting that arrow. With I don't care what it FSC. is. It could be 5%. <laughs> F. I could be negative FOC. I don't care. Yeah. If it'll hit that bottle cap every time, I'll shoot it. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, arrows are like the purpose of an arrow was penetrating chain mail. Like that, arrows penetrate. Like they, this, are a, they are a direct force into a very specific point. And regardless the the penetration is pretty freaking serious of an arrow anyway inherently an arrow has incredible penetration you always hear the stuff about about excuse me about uh, uh safety vests like the the cavalier vest yeah and it'll stuff. go through that like butter and a bullet doesn't you know yeah kind of thing so yeah. it disperses energy but it you know the the arrows focus the energy on the point of the arrow, which is so small that it just like. Did you see that post the other day where I posted when I went to Oakley to test? They'd had glasses and helmets that they were making for, for some of the special forces teams that were in um, Ramadi. I didn't see it. Yeah, they had me come out because they built these helmets with like these shields and stuff because they had intel that they, that like the locals in the urban warfare had bows. Oh. So they wanted to know if it could stop it. And like, it was, they were pretty thick and they were stopping. They were all pumped because it was stopping. It stopped a 45 out of a handgun. It stopped a 12 gauge, like bird shot. Yeah. And it also, they had like this big ass spike that they were dropping, like a huge spike. And I just, but the spike kind of, the, it was a little blunt. And so I just said, I'm like, dude, all that stuff disperses energy. It's not right. inlining it like an arrow. And so they had all these things on crash test dummies. And I just got to shoot these things in the face. <laughs> and and at first they're like, what about longer distances? So I was shooting these, these heads at 100 yards and nothing stood a chance. No. Like not even close. And these heads were like. They were very dense. It wasn't like like a head like you would shoot in the backyard from a mannequin you found at TJ Maxx or something. <laughs> but no, they were like dense freaking heads. And I mean, I and it was like pinning the glasses like to the head and the helmets and everything. I was just pinning the helmets to the head. Really? And I'm just like, dudes, it's so direct. And I'm like, and this isn't a broadhead. It was just like field points. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you put something else on there like you know like a muzzy could just shatter that thing you know right. what i mean so and and here's the thing for those of you listening um i value joel tremendously i'm you know i'm so glad he came thank you thank you for coming um thanks matthews for letting him come too might i know it might have <laughs> been a little weird but um i'm not sure they know <laughs> they will soon yeah. enough. It's There's, you, I mean, everyone there is still family to yeah. me, for sure. I mean, I don't think. Uh, and I, this I stuff, this this testing that I do, in the post that I do, again, that's not Matthews. That's me, just as yeah. a, as a hunter and yeah. as an observer of what's going on in the industry. And you know, I've told you this a lot of times. You do so much to educate in archery that I can't 
thank you enough and tell you how much I appreciate the school and knock and all the stuff that you've done to educate people and like your advice on every single piece of equipment and the breakdown and how it works and all that. That's super cool. I mean, that, that means, that means a, just a ton. And I brought this to your attention about three years ago about this hero thing. I'm like, dude, there's so much crazy misinformation out there. It scares me to death. And I told you stories. I had guys show up on antelope with 700 green arrow and a single pin. <laughs> and it's, it's like, come on, man. And so, you know, I'm glad that you finally addressed here. I would, I don't do podcasts and I, I'm not, not that guy, but I figured I kind of owed you this one <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you, you did bring it to light. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, but it's, it's just so important for people listening to make sure you listen to those who have done, not those who talk about. And I've always said that with coaches, like it was always hard for me. It was hard for me as a football player to like really listen to a football coach if they never played football. You know, there and listen, if it, if it was like a sports psychology coach, for sure. But someone that's like telling me how to hit a guy and they played tennis, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, this is a little bit different. So with archery, it's the same way. Like there's certain people that I 100% value their information because it's not like, it's hard enough to duplicate a test for a real animal. Like this is really hard because I, it's. I'm not trying actually. I, I, this is this disclosure. I'm not trying to emulate an animal. Well, not, well, that's I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not, but this the, is just a test of material. Yeah, this is like material. But the thing is, the animal is so different. It really, really, really is. It's a terrible and, and, medium. And, it doesn't and people work. who, honestly, people who haven't killed a lot of things and tracked a lot of things and seen people that shoot a wide range of things you it's just it's not experience in the hunt in the real life hunting world and you know joel has a, a you know you got a super slam and a grand slam mm -hmm. i mean okay listen he's seen every species he's seen and it's definitely not singular in his attack on these. Species. I like the numbers way more. Than, <laughs> than the, I don't than even want to, I don't even want to ask you a number and I, I wouldn't be, yeah. yeah, I'm wouldn't sure know. you wouldn't know it. It's, it's like well in the four digits, like it's gotta be, but like, so here's something that's awkward to talk about. Um, well, like when the spitfire came out, dude, we were, like NAP, right? I'm I'm not gonna go <laughs> we, deep. We but, had a wonderful day. Yeah. So fun. like, for those of you watching, <clears throat> they're like, broadheads have to be tested, not just based on like a few people get them before season starts, and especially when a jackknife style NAP product comes out, a lot of things had to go down, and. Honestly, it would have been more, it, it would have been worse if a product wasn't properly tested and came to the market, right? I mean, and I feel like that we felt that way about it. But we also like had a discussion that they couldn't be, all be like perfect angles. It was kind of like, we need to know what this does. 
because this was going to change the game and pro like in right. a, in a market somewhere out of a tree stand somewhere level on the ground i mean we did a lot of different you know angles yeah i think yeah definitely there wasn't like quartering away you know two from <laughs> like whatever like we had to know right and that was just one one instance yeah. you know just one instance but like there were times where you know, our friend group would hunt the last two days of season where all tags got compiled. Right. And yeah. I mean, there was a lot of different arrows and broadheads and tracks and like a lot of animals, lots of animals in right. the backs of trucks, right. like to, to the point where like, it's, not good to tell stories like that in the industry because it gets outside of the industry. But what I'm saying and what I'm pleading to those of you listening is like, please base this on stuff from people that have seen this in real life application. Like you can't, that was what was really hard. It's very, very hard for me to really take too deep into heart like a path that is literally navigating a pretty substantial portion of the industry to have expertise in killing when the fact is like you or I have, have had single days that could have added up to like what some of these people have had in a lifetime yeah, or, or at the point where they're giving the information for sure seasons that, that are, much, much greater. Yeah. So I just, I just want, I really do want people to, I want people to come into archery and I want them to stay in archery. And I know people stay in archery when they're freaking good at it. When they have success. Yeah. When they hit yeah. the middle, people love it. Yeah. I mean, and they come unglued. When people hit Bigfoot at a hundred yards and they've never shot a shot past 50 yards, it's they're running there for the next year. They want like, there is nothing cooler than being accurate with archer equipment. Yep, it's literally like what makes everyone in this room tick is seeing yep. an arrow tick tock into the middle. But the only thing that would make me want to give up archery is like when you can't hit the middle, even when you know you should. Right. And some of these setups is doing that for you guys out there. I'm telling you because I know it. Like you're, you're there, using there was, your bow to just a, a fraction of its potential. The whatever the bow is, you're using it a fraction to the potential that it has when you're limiting yourself on arrows. Yeah. Well, what do you do? You have anything you want to say? No, just on on the note of you know testing and 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 the broadhead thing. And again, I don't typically go into broadheads, but I will say something about Max is I was a fixed blade guy. I was a hundred percent a fixed blade guy. I hated Max. I know. You, I you know, did it dude. first. You started first. <laughs> I'm know. like, you get you need to get away from that. <laughs> right. So I, I mean it was muzzies and, and Rocky Mountain Ironheads and, and titaniums, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and Zwickies before that. But so but I always kept an open mind and I always kept one in the back of my quiver. And a doe during doe season or an extra tag and I'd I'd whack a doe with a mechanical and then I'd shoot a hog or I'd shoot a uh, it started on turkeys because I remember you, I, I remember you <laughs> said dude they're good for turkeys because yeah. like, <laughs> nothing else yeah <laughs> you know why it was um 
Because Pierce had came and shot that turkey <laughs> out by Fort McCoy, <laughs> yes. and we had like had to track that thing yeah. down that runway and, and all that stuff. The runway. That leg fell off like <laughs> through flight, and you're like, dude, like he would have never got that if he had a fixed blade head. So, you know, I I continued to give him a chance, and I mean the transition from fixed blade to max took probably I don't know five six years. I I wouldn't shoot him, and then I thought, well, you know. Maybe I'm going to shoot them this year. And it was probably the Gator, the the one that's like a sever. The, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually they were, and yeah. Then, uh, and then then I went to, um, after that I went to the Sniper, which is virtually a Rage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, and I started shooting that for the primary head, and then I really became, you know, pretty darn attached to the... Uh, <laughs> this might be from your old <laughs> desk, dude. <laughs> That is it. <laughs> you robbed the stuff out of my desk. It's a, it was actually my desk, but I think so, this was so this, this was an SK this was an SKB. That's a that's a for some reason something you titan- said reminded me I had this. In that's a, a titanium right there. Those are washed. do you remember those? That was one of the original razor caps. I yeah, think. that was yeah. one of the original oh. razor caps. But that's funny. Yeah. So there's a these are a, bam. Yeah, that's a sniper. This is a this is a monster good broadhead. Except for that, yeah, that would fold. But dude, that was a, that was the beginning of the the whole rage thing. Dude, and then what this was is, this? This is a. These are all head. These are all heads we shot stuff with. I'm sure of it. Um, I'm sure of it. What I is don't that know thing? What that is? It almost looks like a mega meat. Like no, the have you ever seen that? It? I mean, it, it could not, be a, like, listen, everyone watching, like, these are prototype stuff that, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even. Might not even came out. Yeah. So, like, this this guy here is. Look a, how compact that thing was, because obviously we wanted something to fly like a peel point. That's a gator. That's a gator. And well, no, that's an Ulmer Edge. That's an Ulmer Edge 2.0, one of the first ones. I don't think so. I think that's a, a gator, because they are very, very similar. Yeah, but the it's that blade, the blade lock right there, I can tell. Oh. So. I'm sure there's going to be, there's a gator. That's the OG gator. Oh, yeah. There's an OG gator right there. Yep. Dude, it, what it was opened this? opened and pivoted like that. What the heck was that thing? That might have been something I made. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think it is. <laughs> Dude. I I don't even know why. Like, no. something you said. No, something this, you said. This I, is a, this is NAP. Yeah. That's an NAP? Yeah. Oh, dude, this yeah, was probably when we were testing for them. Is this the one that we shot down? down? Oh, for sure. No, this actually this actually would have been. So when we when we went and first started, because we had Vogel with us. Right. And Jurgen. Uh, <laughs> well, we had, um, so we had uh, Terry, right, and Jurgen. And uh, Bob Isaac. Oh, that's right. That's and true. Terry Verbal, yeah. Verbs. And, I mean, this is, like, one of many. For some reason, you said That's something. Funny. You know what this was, dude? This was um, <laughs> this was a sample when SKB, remember when we were working, the on, the cases, fr- remember yeah. when we were working on the first case prototypes? Yeah. We were, like, they were showing us, like, durability, and they were, like, these were their little travel, like, sales samples. So... Yeah, this was dude. There's there's some T100s like brand new in the pack. They're probably 
someone out there is probably like, man, I want to, th- I need to be finding one of those. Yeah, that person would be uh, John Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> he loves these things. Does he? Absolutely he? loves them, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Schaefer. Also another guy that honestly is such a legit shop. That's the OG, remember the, that? Oh, yeah. The Steel 100 yeah, rockets. Yeah, you shot those a lot. I shot the crap out of these. And by the way, when I say that, like... I mean, it was a one-gallon bag of these a year. <laughs> Remember, like it wasn't. It was. It was a very fun time to be an 18-year-old with Joel as your boss, <laughs> <laughs> and you could shoot good. And 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 we had tons of friends in the industry that all needed help and advice and that testing. Was it was it was super cool. Um, nothing else. Nothing else you want to talk about? You got a chance. So mm-hmm. let me just ask you this. Obviously, it's not uh, every day that you get a, you know, a, f- a freaking Pope and Young legend in here. What was your favorite animal? What what What's your favorite? I love sheep because where they live and the goats and stuff. You know, some of that has been a while ago for it's me. so weird. Um, but I just like where they live and that kind of thing. But I would be a happy camper if I said this on the way here. I would be a happy camper with like 30 antelope tags a year and just cut me loose on the prairie with my binos and rangefinder. <laughs> I'm good with that. 30 goats? <laughs> I just love shooting antelope. It's wide open country. I do it's love super shoot. challenging. Yeah. It's always a rangy shot and challenging shot. And just, you know, spot and stalk antelope are just a ball. But, you know, I, I like I like all the, all the critters. I, the small deer are super fun like the coos deer and the columbia it's so Black weird deer. you've said so you've said two things that like are two reasons why the slam has never been a like it's just never been of interest to me at all yeah like i don't know how to explain it it's it's just like it and really it, wasn't for me either until i, I said that to preston. I looked and i'm like whoa i'm almost there preston farrier yeah. he was here yeah because he was in one number after you i think didn't you guys both get it like in the same month think so yeah so i i asked him the same thing and he said sheep he was surprised that i haven't hunted sheep but i just like i listen i've done like mountain goat and i like i love that country because there's you know there's there's other things you can hunt in that country like i love hunting like grizz and stuff yeah, and that stuff yeah. but and and i'm sure i'll shoot one at some point but like that was one of the ones where I'm like, I don't know if I want to dedicate that much time to get the four. And then the other one was a small deer. I was just yeah. like, eh. I it's kind of. The coos deer, it's a white tail. Put a white tail in a desert and stick the desert on a mountain. See, everyone That's, says coos deer, but yeah. it's almost like, I don't know. It's, it's like, then, I can't mount it. If I put it downstairs, it would just <laughs> it would like look so bad. That's what Darren Collins always says about my mule deer. He's like, man, that's a super nice black tail. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a muley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so that so that's it? Uh, like, I don't, I really don't have anything. Was there, any that like, were, was there any that were surprising? Like that you didn't think that you would enjoy them, but you actually really did? Roosevelt elk are cool. They're just a cool, yeah. big old bodies. It's just a yeah. cool. I mean, pure wilderness Roosevelt elk are. That's a cool. Critter. I've never shot a blacktail, but I really want to. A I think Sitka I'm a, or a Columbia. A Columbia. I think I'm going to ask Wayne Endicott to take me. Yeah, I feel like it would he's be the guy. Yeah. Is he the guy? Yeah. I just feel like 
I want there's certain people I want to ha- want to have hunted with one time, and it would be fun to hunt with the people that are like that's the kind of their thing too. Yep. You know what I mean? I went. I if you're listening, to... Wayne, I'm inviting myself. <laughs> Please invite me. I'll pay. I'll pay you. I I'll went to. You. Uh, I went to California for a Columbia blacktail, and then I went to Oregon for a Columbia blacktail a couple times, and I shot the one in, in California to finish the Super Slam. But that was the only animal in the Super Slam that didn't measure enough to meet minimum Pope and Young requirements. So I thought, well, I kind of want an upgrade. And so I kept going back to southwest uh, Oregon, which is where the really big blacktails are. And... The year before last, I was in Oregon like three different times. I was out there for like a week, three different times, and I, I never fired an arrow or drew my bow. And then last year, I went out there, and opening day um, was blessed with this this crazy, crazy blacktail. It's coming down this canyon, and I see, <laughs> I see split backs, split seconds, and a split on the front. And I'm like, that's not even, blacktails <laughs> don't even do that, you know? And... Anyway, I got this thing, and it's like way Boone and Crockett. It's just, <laughs> just this monster giant blight. I'm like, well, that, that kind of was icing that on was the cake. That was sweet. But yeah. I, w- I would hunt those every year. I mean, I really enjoy that. That's fun. So uh, what's it, is it in the real dark, like gnarly Bigfoot timber stuff? It is, yeah. See, and, and I kind of like that eeriness of there, that, too. It's like a lot of things, though. <clears throat> uh, uh, you can hunt the wilderness in the in the bigfootish you know rainforest kind of thing that's out there but they're also like when you drive through town they're in people's yards <laughs> yeah. eating off apple trees <laughs> yeah. and it's like there's these and so so y- y- you kind of just got to balance it for yourself yeah. i mean personally i'd rather shoot a small one out in the wilderness like for yeah. real than in town doing doing an thing, urban hunt you know? yeah but but yeah, black tails are cool, and just like coos deer, they're super cool. It's fun, and and here's the thing: nobody cares about them, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a, a thing. They're not where, on the triggered list. Yeah, they're not on the on the flavor of the month for critters list. Like, give me a rundown of your setup right now. I'm I shoot typically 29 inch strong length with like 72 to 74 pounds, and I'm shooting like a 300 or a 460 green arrow this year, and again my arrow weight. I, I weigh it just for a point of interest right now, but but I'm shooting a, a setup that groups really well and tunes really well. If it tunes perfectly, and when I fire it, it's like a laser beam to the target, yeah. and I get tight groups. I don't care about anything else. I know. I don't. That's it. That's all that matters. Well, that's like the amount of people that comment on my arrow flight, but then when I make a post saying that I believe in a middle ground and, and listen, now people are starting to retract on like some of the people going, well, that person is an extreme FOC. They shoot the same total weight arrow as you do actually. And I'm just like, okay, some people have regressed in like their stance, I think. But when you make comments for years about how amazing your arrow flight is, but then you want to debate the, ingredients that go into the perfect recipe there's ingredients and with arrows it's cause and effect like someone's like well i just i just switched to a lighted knock well it's not the 12 grains how does that knock fit the serving and your knock gap 
Like it's, that's what's going to change stuff the most. It's super critical. That's why <clears throat> I I typically don't shoot light knocks. I know there are some out there available today that are crazy accurate, yeah. crazy consistent, but in the past they maybe weren't. Yeah. And so the knock is where uh, super important component. I don't I don't do anything on the knock. That's yeah. Gonna, that yeah. could potentially lead. To. And it could. It could for sure. The uh, um, the other thing that. I might want to mention is grains per pound. So like, you know, your grains per pound that, that you're shooting because you have a long draw length and yeah. you shoot 75 pounds and you, you know, you're shooting a 510 grain arrow. No, right? I shoot 530 right at 530 with okay. a lighted knock. Yeah. If, if I shoot that, my grains per pound is way more than your grains yeah. per pound. And, yeah. And so, um, and if, you know, if somebody 60 pounds is shooting that. So if you basically, if you take, the grains of arrow weight and um divide it by your bow weight and kind of reduce it oh. down as you go and draw this so like if you're 55 pounds and you know say you're shooting eight grains per pound my what i always find that works the best for me personally is between like 6.2 and 7.2 grains per pound i always end up in that range and that's that's between like i don't know it's like, like between 430 and 500 grains and um that uh, you know you could go six and a half to seven and a half uh, grains of arrow per pound of bow weight 7.06 where i'm at yeah so so like now think about my wife's bow She's at uh, uh, 50 pounds and do the same grains per pound. What is she at? Um, 50 pounds and she, no, um, what just you multiply it times 7.2 or whatever. Oh, 50 times 7.02? Yeah. 351. There so, it is. So she's shooting the same bow you are. <laughs> yeah. That's my point, is that she, she is shooting the same bow. So people see that arrow weight and they're like, oh, yeah, that's never going to work. Yes, it does, and that's and she is now capable of experiencing the the benefits of her bow just as you are. But if she's shooting a a four hundred and eighty grain arrow, it's like you shooting an eight hundred green arrow. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No, I and don't. Neither does she? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I did. I did on a. I did on a giraffe. <laughs> you know, but like, you know what worked out awesome with that bow. Here's what was amazing about that bow. I had a bow at like just over 90 pounds and I took axis. I took my regular axis, 530 grain axis. And that's what, like I sighted it in and I knew where I was going. They had a nuisance, um, bull, but it was like, it, what happened was it was so old that the younger bull that was born on the place got to the point where they were both mature. And oh, so they were, they were eating the foliage underneath to try to, you know, because they were both fighting for breed. Sure. So they were trying to get the esters to come back in. So they were yeah. trying to kill the foal out. So they had to like get rid of one. And they said like, if you see this one, you know, you, you could shoot it, but it, like you need to be ready for it. So I made an 800 grain arrow. And I took my 530 grain arrows, uh, for everything else. And I, let's see, go back. I don't want everyone to see the Apple TV here. So it worked out really cool because 530 grains, I had my 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, but with the 800 grains, 
my 40, 50, 60 was my 20, 30, 20, 30 40. 40. Yeah. Like, and I'm talking like dead on too. So it was, it, I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome to be able to go there and, and do that. But would I want to shoot that thing? Like, um, you know, it's it's like going back to like a Red Rider where you're like watching the BB right. or a slingshot where you're like, you know, watching that thing. Like, I don't. So, you know, we bow fish all the time, right? <laughs> so he constantly, I got yeah. a, I've got a thousand bow fishing arrows laying around all over the place. Well, I fletch those babies up. I put, I put inserts and, <laughs> and, and knocks and fletch them with regular veins and stuff. So. A typical bow fishing arrow is like 1200 grains yeah and and so everybody thinks oh man i'm shooting a 1200 grain arrow and it's gonna bowl the deer right over you know if you were to build yeah. some kind of extreme thing you know this yeah. <laughs> have you ever shot a bow fishing arrow out of like a 60 pound bow at like 40 yards dude it's horrible <laughs> It's almost like the bow wants to bounce back at you. It's too. got recoil. Yeah, it, it literally has recoil, and uh, yeah, which is a the yeah not good for energy. But um, it it doesn't. You know, I'm thinking. I, I'm personally in my head. I'm thinking. Okay, this is going to be impressive. Uh, yeah, this is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. You know? So I do some of that stuff. I'll I'll take a a sixty pound bow or even my seventy pound bow, and I'll shoot the the you know, 1200 grain arrow all fletched up like a regular arrow tuned to perfection and everything. And I'm shooting my arrows at 460 grains and I'm thinking, Oh man, that fish arrow is going to just knock the daylights <laughs> out of this thing. Guess what? It's just like a dog going down it's there. Nothing. Yeah. It's laughable. The trajectory yeah. is laughable. <laughs> and when it hits, it doesn't, it's like it, watching a kid hit a bag it, target where it's just it's, like it's just not if they I have mean, a round point it just bounces in the the kinetic energy down there is the same and you know it's probably something to do with trajectory or whatever but anything that i've done as far as penetration it's not impressive yeah it doesn't it doesn't do more than the proper arrow for the proper setup you know well and the proper tip for the setup too yeah. and yeah. now now like I said, if you're doing elephant or, you know, if I was going to do an elephant, I would stick probably to the to the 7.5 yeah, grains per pound. to people who have actually but tested. But I'm going to shoot yeah. 110 pounds. Yeah. Right? So, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be an 800 grain arrow. Yeah. But, but it's going to, you know, that 800 grain arrow is the same as my wife shooting a <laughs> 350 grain arrow. Not, I mean, it's not going to have as much energy, but it. But as far as performance-wise, yeah. it's pretty similar, you know. I agree. I love it. Well, for any of you listening, I'm pretty dang certain when I say that this will be my last guest to talk arrows. Uh, it's hunting season. <laughs> like I, I've loved doing it. I'm going to really focus now on... I'm going to focus now on things that are going to make you more accurate. I'm going to focus on things that you can actually do in your arrow builds that will make what you're doing even better. And this will actually go even for those of you who still want to just stick with what you're doing. And hey, if you do, I'm cool with that because now I've, I feel like I've given education from the people in the, in the industry that I trust the most from the people who are who are doing some great tests and who are doing a good job of actually trying to retest some of this stuff. Like that's what I appreciate about Bill at Iron Will. Mm -hmm. I love that he's 
that he's coming forward and he's doing some stuff. You know, he's doing some stuff and some like modeling and that. Sure. Which I think is, it's going to start to make him say, oh, well, now that's starting to become relative to this. So I think that's great. Um, but I just want the entire archery community to understand all sides, but also start to look at it from a common sense point of view because you are going to stay in archery when you're accurate at it. You're going to stay in archery. You're going to like archery. You're going to mentor someone else to get involved with archery. And you're also going to have more success. Like I'm confident of that. Joel and I, uh, Les, who's actually here running camera, like we've all experimented and went down different roads and we've ended up where we're at based on what allows us to punch more tags and i'm just trying to point you down that road i know i know 100 percent joel is too like you know you yeah, any of this stuff you want that... people to shoot stuff more than any person i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> this stuff that i do is uh it, it's 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 really only for other people's benefit and i do <laughs> You gotta, you gotta know me to understand this. I, you know, I, I find all kinds of stuff to test every single day. <laughs> I wreck stuff and break stuff and build stuff and rebuild it and everything else. And I don't document ninety percent of it because it, it's for me. It's not yeah. for, it's not for the public. It's not for anybody. It's just for me to understand. I just, I gotta know if I have a question about something. I gotta know. So I do these little tests, and this isn't, you know, they aren't, they aren't super scientific like i said i could white coat that stuff and do it super professionally and do it all all up but it's it's stuff that's we've the, the eastern guys are a hundred times more advanced yeah. than any of this simple stuff and they you know all the aero engineers out there you know they understand and, and how this works i'm just trying to simplify and show the people that you know that that's kind of how a bow and arrow works and that's and honestly that stuff's not opinion that yeah, is, that is that is mechanics. That's how it works. It's, yeah. it's not a, it's not my opinion. It's not stuff. And what I like to do is I like to, to do stuff, show the results, and just post the results, and not even comment. I'll, I'll not even That's make a me. comment. Post and ghost dog. Yeah, just put it on there. And then, <laughs> then I got a guy that I got a, a friend as as P and L or whatever. Uh, he he will he will write it up. Cause I don't even write this stuff yeah. up. I don't find it like, yeah. like it, that's not the fun part to me. The fun part to me is right. Breaking stuff and shooting arrows. And, and so I, I just, I scratch some notes and he'll, <laughs> he'll write up a report on it or whatever, you know? And uh, so anyways, it's just, it's just basically to get the info out to the public of what's real. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna post it. Now I could be wrong on something if, if I, you know, if, if I am wrong and, and you were to tell me, hey, Joel, I don't know about this one. That's cool. I'm totally good down yeah. with that. I'm just trying yeah. to put info out there that's correct. And I know that a lot of the info that that is coming through the grapevine is not correct. Well, I love this info because it's just like basic, easy stuff that people can actually go do for themselves. But also, like more than any of this is the fact that you've put this time in and in the end, I know that you're like, there's not very many people that should argue with you in like what happens when an arrow hits an animal because do a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So here's the other, this is, I, I just got to say this cause I, I think this all the time. This is how my brain works. And this is like a, 
so there's there's livestock all over by my house you know there's 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 <laughs> yeah. cows and stuff. i'm not shooting cows i'm not saying that but but there's like a big cow in the backyard <clears throat> and i walk up to that cow they're huge i mean they're a couple thousand pounds these giant big old yeah. bulls and stuff that are, that are out back do you honestly think that your bow that you are out hunting deer with do you honestly think you can't walk up there and be effective on that a hundred percent i mean i know i could do it a hundred percent you just just and i'm talking you know a 28 inch strong like 60 pound white tail bow a hundred percent is going to work on that mm-hmm. it is certainly going to work on a deer yeah you know it's a, a deer is a tiny fraction of that in that size animal you know, i've harvested lots and it's it's effective it'll it'll work your equipment will work yeah well everyone i hope you've enjoyed it it's hunting season get out shoot your broadheads make sure you have accurate pins get your bows sighted in and get reps reps are way more critical if you go to a reputable shop you get set up your reps are so much more important than the placebos and the tinkering right now for you sure. have to be able to shoot and repeat and repeat and repeat and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to put you on that path that's going to get you there knock on everybody thanks joel yep, appreciate thank it you. so much yep. be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom designed products as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot at your best